here we are returning yet again to our Superman series after quite a long time at this point. Uh, not for everyone listening right now, it'll be hitting your feed relatively soon after Superman Doomsday, but for us it's been, I don't know, like four or five months now, something like that. <laughs> something crazy. Was it late August we did uh, Superman Doomsday or was it September? Yeah, I feel like it was August. Feels like it was a season ago. Oh, that's that's very nice. Yeah, there you go. And yeah, now we're covering the first of our comic stuff for the Superman series. Superman for all seasons. Yeah, we do comics. Remember? No? Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't put it past anybody. Yeah, it has been quite a long time, but I'm very, very much looking forward to talking about this one. Um, one of my first questions for you was, have you read uh, Batman The Long Halloween? Uh, you lent it to me, if I recall. Oh. Oh, I don't remember that at all. Oh, interesting. Either I, well, you, you own it, correct? Uh, physically. I do. Yeah. So either you lent it to me or I rented it off the library or sorry, borrowed it from the library. Actually, you know what? I think I do remember lending it to you. Yeah. It was when we were still working together, right? I think. Yeah. You lent me both. What was it now? You let me, uh, crisis on infinite earths and I believe long Halloween. Hmm. Yeah. Two, uh, 12 issue books and one of them good. The other one, eh. <laughs> one of them necessary and only to like restructure DC. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So you have read that book and I've read that one too. And that's really my only exposure to Jeff Loeb and Tim Sales work together besides this book. But I was definitely coming in with high hopes because I remember loving The Long Halloween from, I think I've read it twice now. And I was kind of happy to see coming to this book that they brought over some of that same format that they used in that book. With uh, instead of the holidays like they use in that, they have seasons for this one. So, so I'm curious to see what else they do in their other work if they kind of continue that kind of trope. I mean, they do all the Marvel color books. Yep. Yeah, which I I just recently got uh, Kindle Unlimited, even though I didn't really want to. But I was like, ah, they have so many options available. I, I guess I'll just try it for because they had a deal for ten bucks for for three months. So I was like, ah, screw it, I'll try it. Am I hearing that you're on yet another streaming service? Or sorry, subscription service. Uh, yeah, yes, I indeed am. Yeah, one of far too many. Oh, but so how are we going to do this? Are we doing this page by page? Is the old? Uh... Uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do this page by page. All right, so I get mine to to page stamp zero. <laughs> yes, physical <laughs> or uh, digital. Um, and I don't care if it's legally or illegally purchased. In this case, because it's how everybody wants to. Uh... However, anybody wants to read this, uh, go, it's your format. So I guess let's begin. I haven't, we haven't done one of these in a while. Even though our first yep. three-hour episode <laughs> was the DC Frontiers, and or New Frontiers, excuse me. So let's get back into it. Yeah, so I'm at the, the first page. Before we even get to anything, where it's just the, the picture of uh, Martha and Jonathan in like the old-school frame picture. And then it says Superman for all seasons. And I wanted to mention with this book... Uh, did you do much research on this? I, I would highly advise everybody to all our listeners of this uh, episode to go watch the Geekvolution discussion on this episode or on this comic, excuse me, the one that uh, Eric oh, wow. and Captain Logan did years ago. I think like five or six years ago. Uh, actually, no, it was 2016. No, I remember. Um, and they, they really go into detail about this. I remember that. Uh, episode they did of course of this but i did not rewatch it and I, I didn't go back to rewatch it just so my um so my views wouldn't be tainted by by their uh, viewpoints <laughs> sure 
Yeah, because I was just curious, uh, looking at the, the art style in this book, if you knew if this was uh, like painted. Because some of them look like painted images, but I, I'm not sure if it's just re regular pencil work or... I, I did not do any research of this. I don't know how much of Loeb's, Loeb's excuse me, uh, sales work uh, he, he did painting this or if it was uh, just him illustrating and then having a colorist come in. I believe that is the case uh, because we have, even though he's there, it's, uh, what is it now here? Uh, Bjorn Hansen is the colorist of this of this so. oh yes yes that's right good artwork yeah so i guess re regular pencil work but yeah we'll definitely discuss the artwork but yeah i loved tim sale's work on the long halloween i think this is just incredible the work he does in this book uh, but we'll get through the specific panels but um so the introduction the first few pages i don't i mean right before not even right before but before we even get to like you know the first page that is spring like literally the the title card that says spring i love yeah. how it doesn't show a history of uh, Clark coming to Earth in the in the hmm. Kryptonian rocket ship. It's just like what this book is really setting is that this is not about that. It's looking at a uh, young Clark Kent from his childhood, like getting rid of or not even getting rid, of, but not touching on any of the Kryptonian stuff, uh, which is yeah. uh, a thumbs up for me. I give it a point. Yeah, and we've done a lot of Superman origin stuff in this retrospective so far. Uh, but this one has a much more personal bent. And I like how all the uh, the four issues are narrated by different characters. And we open up this first one with Jonathan doing the narration. I think that just works perfectly as the viewpoint character for, for the origin. Indeed. Uh, I just also like the last little photo before spring, which is prom night. Uh, very, very prominent, I'd, I'd say. So oh, boy. <laughs> kind of showing who the uh, other lead of this, I mean, not lead, but one of the uh, other major characters of this piece is going to be. So, again, this little collage, these little photos kind of prepare the audience for what you're about to see, which is not much action, more of a uh, slice of life, if you would. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's fair. So we begin in spring. And yes, first off, we just we see the big blue Boy Scout himself with his wearing his uh, underwear on the outside. A perfect image, if you ask me. Uh, and very angelic looking. Angels are uh, a recurring theme in this book. Oh, yes. Yeah, we'll definitely discuss that. Yeah. Yeah. And then we get uh, Jonathan kind of reflecting on the image of Superman and then kind of breaking it down to his more personal point of view. This isn't going to be a. At least this first issue isn't going to be a look at the, the epic quality of the man, the God kind of element of Superman. This is going to be looking at his, his son, Clark. And I, I like the voice that uh, Jeff Loeb captures for, for uh, Jonathan. It reminds me of some of the Stephen King type of characters, like a New England vibe, even though this isn't New England. It's just got that very down-to-earth, very simple kind of quality to it. The common folk, instead of uh, focusing on the super aspect, as most people have been doing uh you know past 80 or 70 years of the character uh as as per like this in this moment of 1998 or 1999 excuse me uh we're looking more at the man himself and i think on the like the the second page of the once we get into the story itself when we see just the the side of the the house with the door and all the very detailed artwork shelby sitting there i'll mention a few times that tim sales artwork the detail of, of it Kind of reminds me of some of Mobius's work, and that that first image there is just one of those standout ones that really just struck me. 
when I first opened this thing up. For Norman Rockwell and his love of a vision of Americana that resonates through its limitations, uh, Tim Saley, Seattle, 1999. So this was 1998, excuse me. Um, yeah. Clearly, there his, he's stating his... And he did Jane Burnbank and uh, I forget the other person. But he listed basically his uh, influences about this piece. And it's... Yeah, no, if, if anything, this screams Norman Rockwell uh, to me. And mm. golly, does Saley do a good job of... I'm, I've... I'm not a farmer. I'm not a, <laughs> I don't want to live in the country or anything like that, but this definitely reminds me of certain farms I've been to uh, on the uh, <laughs> interior and uh, the rural areas of, of our province. Yeah, no, definitely. And I, I don't think I've really looked at too much Norman Rockwell art. So yeah, maybe, maybe I'm missing that influence. Now my mother always gets every, every year for her calendar. Yes. Her actual, like, you know, uh, physical, uh, print calendar she always gets the norman rockwell ones and i've i've grown up with those since a child and i've always been enamored by him hmm. and would you say uh like these these character designs kind of mirror his work or is it more just the landscape oh no 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 no. he 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 was very much looking at like photorealism almost like he was oh, okay. painting hmm. very natural and he was painting uh like you you literally could say like they're they're photographs but they're not their paintings. It's it's something else. If you do yourself a favor, you, both my cohort and you know all those <laughs> listening, go look at some Norman Rock, Rockwell stuff. I understand the controversy behind some stuff where he was only focusing on Americana, that that being like white America, and and not nothing else. But I still think like outside of that criticism, I think it's still like worth looking at and uh, is a work of art. <laughs> Yeah, for some folks, they they their art depicts what they know, what their uh, their life's uh, life is. So, so it's fair. It's fair. But yeah, so where do we go here? I mean, a couple pages in, we see. I don't know if you want to like get into the details of exactly what uh, Jonathan was saying in these little, because again, the stories are the images don't necessarily reflect what the narration is. It's almost like there's a visual story going on, and then on the other side is the character kind of relaying their their overall kind of philosophy or, or understanding of the superman character yeah so there's 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 inner monologue but it's inner monologue uh in like third person or in our inner reflective standpoint is in their their yeah. uh, past tense or yeah is, is it past tense or present tense present tense excuse me mm, it seems like maybe more present okay. but yeah it doesn't have anything to do with the narrative necessarily yeah. what we see what the the images we see in the page are not reflective of what jonathan kent's talking about in the moment yeah uh he's not reflecting on the fact that as he's you know uh it's it's spring so he's preparing uh to sow the or he's preparing to uh put crops in the fields and whatnot put plant seeds there uh he's tilling the soil he's re, uh, you know going over it uh, and he hits and goes into a <laughs> it's a little uh ob, hits an obstacle that that being a giant rock he's trying to pry it away with his crowbar there or pry bar excuse me uh clark goes up to him uh with his hands to his back and just like can i help hmm. yeah and i do like that uh jonathan does this is a jonathan that seems to sh in some ways struggle with getting used to his son being so different um some of the other ones that i've seen the jonathans can be relatively quick or maybe in some way nonchalant but i, I like that this one at least in the perspective of his narration it does seem to like he doesn't really seem to know how to handle it all how to take it 
And when Clark does lift up the rock for him after he was struggling and struggling, he just kind of looks at him and then he's like, well, I guess, I guess I'll move on. You're, <laughs> you're going to need something for leverage stunt. Where do you want it? <laughs> just holds it up. Like it's, you know, a small little like pebble in his hand. Yeah. And one of the things I like about this book a lot is showing a more somber side to Clark. And after he does lift it up for his dad and his dad doesn't know how to respond. He just kind of looks at him questioningly like, Oh, pa. And he has this kind of, uh, yeah, real sad look to him or something. Did I did I do something wrong? Like, what 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 did I do that was yeah. wrong here? Like, what? yeah, we'll definitely see that continue as we uh, jump to some more of the stuff here. But oh, by the way, we probably should mention that this is a the the older versions, maybe not the elder versions, but the older versions of Jonathan and Martha. They're not young hip hit people or anything like that. These are similar to what we saw in um, the Adventures of Lois and Clark uh, pilot. It's it's kind of like them instead of uh, instead of I'm not saying being more closer to age, but there's very much a big age gap between uh, John and Martha and Clark. Yeah, real old. And same with uh, the Aunt Ruth, uh, Lana's uh, Graham, or I guess her uh, her parent as well. Yeah, her guardian. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it did make me sad for Clark because I was like, oh, man, they look like they're real up there. Like they're probably not going to be around that much longer. For him. They literally look as my uh, as as one of uh, the jokes for one of my aunts. It's uh, she looks older than dirt. Damn. <laughs> well, I mean, Jonathan is a farmer, so you know he could be one with the dirt. Well, that's fair. I do love the uh, the extreme emphasis on the the wrinkled faces and stuff like that. There's so much detail work in terms of all the different lines. I think that stuff just comes across great. Now, not to get into this immediately. However, I, I do remember going back to um, what is it, uh, Earth or uh, Justice League Earth Two, uh, the Grant Morrison and Frank Quietly uh, book mm. we did. You know, I guess a year ago, um, or a year and a bit ago, actually, close to two years now. Uh, I remember Frank Quietly has a thing where he also is very detailed, and you know his 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 characters and the way he draws kind of looks they all look blocky and i could even say that as well where you know you can look at clark and jonathan they both look like squares like they both you could you could see like the square in them uh whereas like some of the women here saley has like some put puts a little more emphasis on the circles um so i'm like Frank quietly also did does that in a way but i'm pretty sure you prefer this style like tim saley over frank quietly stuff uh, they both definitely have their strengths, but uh, I guess I'll lay my, well, I'll, I'll hold I'll hold my cards a little bit close to my chest for a little bit on this art. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, put a pin on that, of course. Yeah, but I do love this image of the the dinner with Lana there and her aunt, and and I love Clark uh, giving the dog some food with a little side eye, trying to not look suspicious. I think that's just so cute. No, most certainly, um, and I love how. You can also see so that Clark has changed, and same with John. They both have uh, changed other far, farmer garbs into, you know, more, I guess, uh, formal attire, mm-hmm. or at least dinner-appropriate attire, excuse me. Uh, and I I do love how both uh, the, the Kents are all dressed in, like, very, like, I guess, earthly clothing in a way, as in, like, color palette-wise. They, you, know, you, got, you got the whites, the browns, uh, maybe the, a little bit light blues, and then you see... Aunt Ruth and uh, Lana there, and they're both just like, I mean, 
Lana's hair just pops out, of course, but they're both in greens, matching the flowers near the shelf there. And definitely, definitely lots of compliments for the color work as well as we go, we go through this, but, but I also like, um, since they're using the, the kind of, uh, seasons to represent these different periods of Superman's maybe, uh, maybe not life, but definitely kind of his cycle is, is becoming this, this, this icon. And I like the springtime metaphor for, for him here, where he's still just blooming into the character he'd become. So I like how they work that in. Oh, wow. Agreed. What have you found? Oh, just, just switching to the next page. Uh, just wow. The, the color work and the panel work as well. It's just very stunning. <laughs> I don't think there's any like off colors. And if there are off colors, they're intentional. Yeah. And I'll say, uh, I've been reading a lot of comics over the past, ever since uh, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, I've been reading just a fuck ton of comics. I've been just devouring them. That's great. And when I, uh, when I started reading this book, a couple pages in, I started to be like, wow, this, this art, this feels like next level art. Like this is, out of all the stuff I've been reading lately, this is just at a higher tier. And yes, well, I'll be singing a lot of praises for this as we go along. But this, this page right here is just great. And is this one of the few without, uh, ah, there's no, no narrator, uh, stuff on this page at all. It's just kind of in present time. Uh, the dinner scene or when, uh, Lana and Clark are walking to her car or truck. Yeah. Lana and Clark. I think that's one of the few times we don't get a narrator. Nope. That's uh yeah. One of the few times where it's just all present dialogue. Yeah. And this again, that more somber Clark and Lana's trying to, to prod at him like, Hey, like what's going on? But he's. He's still just kind of holding off to himself. Yeah, he's he, like a flower in a way. He's going through some changes. Uh, he's he's it, the flower. Obviously, hasn't even like started to bloom yet. It's just still growing. But it, it seems as though Clark is uh, like you keeping something close to his chest. And uh, well, Lana has basically known you know these these as we saw with the collage before. We've seen that Lana and Clark know each other very closely as uh, they're they're close friends. So. Uh, but he, he he's he's a little apprehensive of telling her ab- ab- about this, even though she's like, "Come on, you trust me, right?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Smallville took that uh, this this whole page here, and they spread that out for like four seasons. Well, uh, not just like four seasons. Uh, this is for all seasons, but not just talking like you know letter <laughs> number four seasons, uh, television wise. But of course, the writer did not did he not have some influence in that show? Oh yeah, yeah. You're. I think you're right. I think Jeff Loeb was maybe producing that program. Yeah, or at least maybe executive producing. I yeah, not not so much on the writing team, but I, I wonder if he was yeah. producing and and had a hand in uh, how the show would uh, look overall. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't really think about that connection. Mm. But but again, I've not. I've only watched the pilot. Um, yeah. of Smallville. <laughs> I I <laughs> you. <laughs> Somehow this gets it like, well, okay, maybe not to show my hand, but this, somehow this gets it right and Smallville went too long uh, and it did not get it right. Or at least it, it missed its mark, excuse me. Yeah, and it's always hard with a program of that length. But thankfully they ditched Smallville. Uh, basically after, I think, like season five, they start spending more and more time in Metropolis. Except it's still called Smallville. Yeah, it's almost an oxymoron to call it Smallville at that point yeah especially the last two seasons don't don't take place in smallville almost at all so (laughs) but anyway that's yeah that's neither here nor there let's cut back to uh this comic as we get another beautiful scene a nice little three panel layout with jonathan and martha and they're just kind of discussing the the changes in in clark 
and I love the the work in this this one too. It's they choose like a green, maybe a teal color for the night. Yep. And for some reason, that just works so well. Hmm. I wonder if this this may be a category, maybe not a category, but this this book may be on our list of things more blue than aliens. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's definitely got a lot of blue, but maybe maybe that's all Superman books to some degree. That's that's fair. I mean, what about Spider Man Blue? Oh, I've never read it. Never read it. Which is also Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. Yeah. Yeah, and I added that to my list and the Daredevil uh, Yellow. I added those last night. <laughs> I forget what the Wolverine book is called. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm not too sure. Captain America White. I think it's either Hulk Gray or Green. I don't remember now. Uh, sorry, off topic. Um, yeah. I'm going to put a pin on... I'm, I'm going to forget this somehow, but I'd like to put a pin on... Uh, Jonathan, as he's uh, mulling over with uh, with Martha, you, you see him saying like he's changing. Boy, he's he's different now. Yeah, I love love the glasses uh, and how they reflect. Like, we don't even see his eyes; like he's hiding something. Um, but we and it's a reflection of the stars, unless that's you know inferring like oh that's where Clark came from or something. Or it's it's yeah. uh, alluding to his uh, uh, his origins. I mean, excuse me. Yeah, that's how I too, because the next page is all talking about, uh, or at least he's talking about his origin and the rocket. So, so I think it does tie in there. Uh, very good example of tell, don't show, uh, because you never, one is not better than the other. It's just how you do it. And then I think for, for this book and its tone, uh, I think it's appropriate that we don't need to see uh, the rocket. And I'm not, I'm not saying we have to see the origin again. I, that's not me saying or complaining like, oh, we can't. You, you always show the origin. That's 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 not what I'm saying. It's just I like that they're talking about it and they don't have to show it. Yeah, and because it's, uh, at least in narration wise, it's so much from perspectives that can never fully understand. They're, like they're all looking at him in, as an outsider point of view. I like that there's no mention at all of Krypton or any of those. Like they only barely hint at his alien origins. It's brought up a couple of times. We never really explored so, so I like that different perspective than some of the other stuff that we've seen so far. Agreed. I, uh, I very much agree with that. I also love how on the next page, at least, you know, on our page, it's for, for mine, at least it's 17. Uh, I love how um, we, uh, we're, we're, we're pulling back. We're, we, first we see like, you know, they're, they're holding hands and we, besides the rings as well, uh, how devoted they are to each other. And then we start pulling back away from the seesaw and then, you know, away from uh, the little patio and then uh, go up towards a room. And then we go inside and it's, it's Clark and they're you know, discussing matters about him is, you know, like you said, the origins and the rocket and they're like, Oh, I, I don't think we, he can hear. And Oh, he can clearly hear. All right. Yeah. in this scene in Clark's room, when I first saw it, I was like, wow, I said that out loud. Cause I was just stunned by the, the beauty of that, that, that image there. It's so detailed. It's wonderful. In the beautiful, I don't know if it's pink or purple, my slight color blindness of the uh, of the, the curtains, but I, I thought that just accented everything else so beautifully. And in the top panel, it looks a bit more lightish red. Uh, I wouldn't say crimson, but it looks very light red. And then on the bottom panel, uh, it looks magenta almost. I don't care if there's a difference in color there. I think it just looks great. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care about color continuity. That's not true. I do, but like in in this case, it's. The art, the art's not abstract, but I, I'm okay with it being a little more loose. I was surprised to see that Clark uh, had such a messy kind of demeanor in this room. 
but I guess I, I started thinking, I guess they did that too. in um, uh, the adventures of Lois and Clark it was also really messy in that one too. Uh, you mean his apartment in Metropolis or inside his, I don't actually remember his room inside of the Kent household. No, I don't think we ever, well, maybe, maybe we did see, it. I can't remember, but no, yeah, his Metropolis apartment. Yeah. It was, uh, I mean, it was dingy only because it was like the, the place he was living in. It looked dingy, but yeah, that's fair. I don't know if it was fully like, you know, disgusting or a, <laughs> a bit of a pigsty like, like this is, I can certainly relate given how uh, my room looks currently. Um, <laughs> but I do like how it's, it's, it's May by the way. So we've passed the spring equinox. So we're, uh, you know, a little bit into a, a month into it. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I, I like the way his room is designed. And also there is once again, and we'll see this throughout the book. There's no indication of what year it is, but that's how you always want things to be. Yeah. You don't have to always be in present times because then you date yourself. This feels a lot more timeless, which I enjoy. And I like in the next page, how Jonathan starts talking about how he's, he's glad that uh, Clark got to grow up in a place where you could have very firm kind of roots planted in kind of a grounded uh, vision of the world growing up in Smallville, which is part of the character that I've always enjoyed. I always liked that, that he had that upbringing that created, they always emphasized that that's what kind of turned him into the man he became. And if he'd grown up in, say, Metropolis, we could have had a very different story. See, Mark Millar's uh, Red Sun Elseworld story for that. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I don't know anything about that book. That's that's interesting. Superman lands in the USSR. Oh, wow. Oh, boy. Or the, sorry, the rocket lands in the USSR, excuse me. Well, I guess we'll be covering that comic eventually because we're going to be doing that movie, so. Oh, yeah. No, we're, we're doing that, but that's neither here nor there. Pardon me. Uh, now we get a very nice, you know, uh, it's it was nighttime before. Now it's bright and day and, oh, the colors. My goodness. I'm yes. sorry. I have wow. to, I just have to gush. I have to show my hand and give another thumbs up another point to Sele and or sorry Hanson excuse me Hanson the, the color artist yep. or the color excuse me yeah I love the shade of red on the uh, the fire hydrant down in the corner it just pops grabs your eye it's poppy man it's so nice yeah yeah and then once we go into the uh, the general store that's when I was thinking of Mobius there I mean just the, the incredible amount of detail that looks like something right out of the inkle that image the top image you know that's fair of course a, a, a different uh a different art style and it, again going for different things mobius is or at least in the inkle it's a lot more um not i'm not gonna say esoteric but it's a lot more i can't say alien but it's it's a lot more uh creative i'll say that this is literally like trying to touch upon like you know a down-to-earth aspect yeah and a lot of the inkle um at least the the first inkle book takes place in a more of like a poverty area and lots of really cluttered imagery like that that image there it's kind of narrow and so packed with so many different elements that's a very mobius thing to do i see okay um but but i like this uh this is kind of our introduction to pete ross here and this is more of a cd pete ross than i'm used to maybe we don't see it necessarily in this this early part but he he's very money obsessed eventually he seems a little bit slightly lecherous maybe so it's an interesting take for for Pete. Uh, I don't know if he I don't know if he me if it's it's harmful or anything like that. Although I do know what you mean. This is when we're trying to like we come in and we already have like other ideas about Pete Ross. Um, yeah, he's a small town kid who wants more out of life. Like, what can you expect? He mm -hmm. has he has dreams. He's like any 
Disney main, uh, main Disney character from the '90s Renaissance film. He wants something more. Albeit, you know, is he's not Aladdin in a way. Like, uh, of course, Aladdin was uh, was uh, an orphan and on the street, whereas Ross here is just grows up in a small town and just you know wants to go out and see the world. So I, I, I like his little detail of when he whatever he like you know uh, what is it rubs that elephant statue. That's a nice yeah. little touch there. Hmm. Yeah, and I like uh, again. I like the small town feel. We got these guys at the the table who are always there. They're always playing their card games. Oh yeah, there's one of it in one in every town. It's, even if it's not like a card game, there's always something somewhere like that. Yeah, I just finished reading uh, Salem's Lot about a month ago, and they have that ex- exact thing in there. A group of older guys. They've always lived in the town. They're always just sitting in a local place, chatting and playing games. So, and you can see the contrast between like them and Pete about how they're like, yeah, we're stuck in this town and we're just gonna, you know, enjoy ourselves by, you know, basically gambling in a way, or at least playing poker. Yeah. Uh, whereas Pete's just like, oh, I'm gonna, you know, make make a billion dollars or whatever it is. Yeah, and get out of this town type of thing. He's got this very slick attitude to him. Um, oh, I also love the fact, another thing about the art, I love how somebody might say like, oh, this is kind of a, this is a waste or, you know, sale should be, sale, excuse me, should be a lot more um, detailed. But I, I do enjoy actually the fact that there's a lack of background in some of the panels, uh, only, I guess, focusing on some of the background, like when, uh, in, what is it, in the next panel uh, where Clark, Lana, and Pete, they're they're at the counter there, and he's you know giving the whole spiel. He's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna, you know, <laughs> man, I'd places places I go and I places I'd see money changes everything, all that stuff. Like, I like how there's background there, but then everything else is just like no background. But I I like that. I don't know why it's maybe it's not minimalism, but it's just showing the the what's what's important in the scene itself. Yeah, and uh, I've been reading a lot of Golden Age uh, Namor lately. And they do a lot of that in, in those old books, too. So that gives us more of an old school kind of timeless feel. But I like that the backgrounds, even though they are just kind of a smear, uh, smear of color, that it still has kind of a texture to it. In the Namor ones, it'll just be like a, a flat background, just like a really poppy color. Yep. I like that this one has a bit more natural quality to it. Yeah, either it's oil. Nah, I don't think it's oil. Sorry, I don't know my my... my colors or uh, my, my types of how do you, how do you color but it's an, it's a nice little shade i, I like that it almost yeah. and it's almost, almost like a blend of each of the characters colors and it's funny how you know pete clark and lana are all wearing blue oh yes yeah that's true yeah yeah but clark uh so they're having their conversation and he, he forgets he has a haircut that he's got to run to but conveniently the the what it was the barber shop is literally right next door because they go into the general store yeah and it's just and literally like oh no i'm late it's it's right there so it's fine which is that's the perks of being in a small town you know where everything is and it's all uh locally close or it's it's close and i like uh clark's demeanor because he's uh he's like such a big high schooler and i feel like from my own experience as a as a teenager whenever there were there's whenever there were those guys who are just a lot bigger than other people or that be tall or uh, or wide. They always had a kind of quietness to them, at least in my experience. They seem like a little bit in, internal. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know several people uh, similar to this. Actually, one of my cousins is is like this, where he's uh, he's you know he's a, he's a taller man, um, and he's a little more reserved, um, introverted, but not like 
you know, shy or anything. He's just, you know, he keeps to himself. Yeah. And I, I felt especially when I was a teenager that those, those kind of personalities I would see. So this Clark felt very, uh, like something I've seen in real life. And I like that betrayal of him as a teenager, but he goes in for his, uh, his haircut. And I like the way that they reveal the power here, where it seems like it was, uh, maybe this, this was his first time seeing through walls. Yes. Cause at the bottom of, oops, at the bottom of page, I think it's 22, at least for me it is. Um, he go he, I guess he just he can hear people still because if he can hear his parents from like you know the, the other side of the house, then he could probably hear these people through brick like Lana and Pete, and he's he recognizes their um, their vocal cords or their vocal patterns, excuse me. So he could probably hear them. And I guess either he like squints his eyes. I'm obviously this is not inferred in the in the in the book. I'm just like you know this is my like way of thinking and then he just i guess peers into like behind the camera he's like what or the camera um the the mirror excuse me the the barbershop mirror and he sees behind you know the the mirror the stone or the the brick uh he sees pete and lana talking yep and then he goes wow (laughs) yeah i like that That's, that's an inadequate response and then when the barber goes to to cut his hair uh, we get a bit of an issue that I've always wondered about. The uh, the barber goes to snip the hair, and instead of cutting the hair, it snaps the uh, the scissors. And as someone who uh, my early exposure to Superman comics was the '90s comics, uh, when he had the really long hair post uh, Death of Superman, and I always wondered, I was like, he's got that long hair. How does he cut that hair? Does he get a kryp- kryptonite blade and get Lois to cut it for him somehow? Like I was like, how does he how does he lose that hair there? So, so this 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 panel up here definitely backed up my uh, my early questions as a kid. Yeah, and unfortunately, I actually didn't pay attention to this, so I'm gonna have to pay attention to this as we go on. We move, we move forward, but I didn't notice if his hair got longer uh, when the other uh, other other seasons come, and I also don't know if it's technically addressed after this. Like you almost think this is like a setup and we'll we'll see like something, you know, in a, in a side panel, like how he cuts his hair. Uh, we don't do that, though. <laughs> kind of a yeah, kind of spoilers. But yeah, we don't we don't touch on that again. <laughs> yeah, to me, it felt more like just a reference to people who thought about it. But I do like the uh, description of this this Chief Parker where he says uh, he, he says the uh, Jonathan, I should say, talks about the barber is always the kind of person who looks in other people's business, even though he doesn't have the right to. But Chief Barker, on the other hand, even though he has has the right to look in other people's business, he prefers just letting them kind of go about it on their own. So what you're talking about is Sam Wilson. Wow, that's not Sam Wilson of Marvel fame. <laughs> uh, is the barber. Uh, where he... Just, you know, because he's, he's always, you know, literally like at a person's head with shears. Um <laughs> You know, he, just to, you know, get let the time pass, he'll, you know, talk to them and, and, and know stuff and get to know them. And Chief Parker, on the other hand, is the, the one who doesn't give a rip. Also, I, I, I'm sure you appreciate the way he's dressed. Uh, the, the, the chief, I mean, it's how he's not, you know, dressing up like a goon. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's a better way to go for a, a small town sheriff, someone who kind of lets things go about their way and doesn't kind of get in the way. I like that portrayal, um, but I love the image of the the next the next panel that we get or the next page, I should say, 
uh, when we start seeing the train and, and Clark running to catch it. That's always an iconic thing with me and Superman. And so I appreciate that represented here. And I think the, the train just looks beautiful. So when they say he's faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, are we saying that the power in this case means the power it outputs to like go fast or is that always, is that in this case referring to like the strength because he outruns a train unless we're like because I, I feel like in this entire book we're, we're leading up to the whole like you know faster than this being bullet more powerful locomotive able to leap tall buildings within a single bound yeah i would say in terms of powerful he's he's physically more powerful and faster so so both fronts I think he's got the the train beat. Also, love the love the Browns. I love I love the Browns. Yes. Yeah, and there's almost an element of like rust on the train. Yes. I think that's just great. Yes, it is. And you could also tell like the even though again it's timeless and it doesn't or out of time, you can tell that one of these trains this train itself looks like it's from like the turn of the century. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and most of the vehicles too look like they could be uh yeah, fairly old school. Like this could be the 1940s or maybe the 60s in a poor part of the the poor part of the country. Yep. I don't I don't get the Okay, I, okay, I'll say this. It's pro it's not the depression. Um yeah. because everything wouldn't stand out as much, I'd say, and the town would probably be a lot more poor, but that's <laughs> that's the only process of elimination of that. It probably isn't the 30s. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that seems fair. Yeah. Anyways, it's it's neither here nor there. Uh, next panel we have, or next page we have, you know, Martha being a bit concerned because she sees Clark, uh, you know, out in the field and he's just standing out there uh, with Shelby, and so she goes, uh, ask, and she asks Jonathan to go, you know, talk to him, and so, which which I love how she's like, you know, be gentle, and he's like, yep. Yeah, you know, I love that. Yeah. And we don't get much of what the conversation is other than like the first part being like, you know, Clark. And then he's like, I'm scared, Pa. And after that, the next page is basically uh, narration from Jonathan. Take it away. Yeah, I just want to say on that previous page that that bottom panel where uh, Clark says I'm scared. I love the colors in that that image there. And I love the uh, I love Shelby's little head just poking out in the corner. <laughs> it's so awesome. Just like, boop. <laughs> Like, oh yeah, I'm here. I think that's that's just great. But um, yeah, this is mainly just him talking about uh, kind of what it was like dis- discovering him as a kid and falling in love with the kid. And I think that's just a really beautiful little little speech there too. And we see the we see the two of them over there in that hill having their conversation that we don't hear. And I, I just I really like that that moment there. And it looks like it has last uh, it lasts a while because it's at least yeah. either high noon or mid afternoon. Um, when Martha's looking out there and then like, by the time she starts, you know, rubbing away a tear, um, it's now the evening or like late afternoon, early evening. Yeah. And then we get, uh, one of the icons of the Superman origin story with his Smallville era, which is the giant storm. I feel like this pops up in almost anything I can think of with the, the origins as is one of the defining moments of him as uh, coming to terms with the hero role. I don't know if they had this in Smallville, but obviously Man of Steel nine years ago had this. Yeah, it was a yeah big season finale in Smallville. Yeah, the giant storm on prom night. So Oh, no, not prom night. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I, I think it's excellently represented here. Uh, the, the 
single page uh, panel there, we see the giant twister and Clark standing on there. I guess it's a two page spread in a way. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, maybe a two page spread. Um, I think that's just a stunning image. The clouds just look incredible. I love the the single strand of uh, is it grain there? Yes, I think that looks great. Everything about that image is fantastic, and I love Clark. Uh, kind of just looking bewildered there. This is like a tw- this is like the tornado that sucked up Dorothy and sent her to Oz. Yes, yeah, you, you stole my line from the next page. Yeah, <laughs> so right. then we see Dorothy. Yeah, getting sucked to Oz. That's what I was gonna say. And then you see some cows, and then you see um the 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 cranky old uh lady who is really the wicked witch of the west in disguise yeah, she's on a bike <laughs> i love the color of that tornado itself my goodness it's such a contrast from like you know all the all the lights uh the, the nice light colors we've seen uh it's it's and even like you know the the train itself which uh showed like mm-hmm. a bit of industrialness i mean i know the cars are also uh industrial but there's a those cars are i'm not different but like the way uh, they're colored. They don't look as not menacing, but they, they, they look like they're part of the town. Like they're natural. The train itself looks a bit like, you know, it shouldn't be there um, with, with its colors. And now this is just like, now we get to like, this is mother nature and it's, and it's scary. Yeah. I could almost see like a, a child, like a very young child, like maybe five or six. Maybe I'm wrong on this. Uh, I'm not giving kids enough credit, but I feel like somebody could be haunted by this image. Um, I almost might be if I was a kid. I, 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 I'm saying that right now. I think I would like be a little fearful of like just that way these colors are are drawn. It's it's wonderful. Sorry, I just want to gush about this. Oh no, yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah, and I, I also love on the next page, uh, Clark. He's sucked up in the whirlwind, and he notices that this gas station uh, is is going crazy over here. <laughs> the pump has come off. There's gas flying everywhere. This poor man standing there. And I, I get the impression this is the first time that Clark flies as well. This scene here. Yeah, it was Mr. Uh, was it Mr. Claw or not? Not Claw. K L U G H. Um, I don't know if it is Claw, but yeah, played by uh, played by Andy Circus. <laughs> really? Like, I don't know how that would work, but like, fair enough. <laughs> uh, if he ever shows up, uh, Circus is like, I have the I have dibs on any character with the last name Claw. <laughs> Well, fair enough but uh yeah this is the once again we've we've been seeing him like obviously he had the strength um he had the speed uh beforehand but now either as puberty's like sitting in or as like again with the season he's he's cha- experiencing change uh so too does he discover another power uh, and that is to fly and i'm a little bit i, I will say uh, this is uh, maybe on me personally I, I as much as i like this and it's useful uh, in the scenario, I kind of w- I am of that camp that would love for him to leap first before he flies. Um, I've always been a part of that camp where like something causes him to like, like it's like flying in like my vision of a Superman story is the ver- is is basically like Goku going Super Saiyan for the first time. Like he has to like do something so ridiculously like hard or, or he has to save somebody or do, do something that is like, you know, physically impossible. And that's what like he, he reaches his like absolute limits. And from that point, that breaking point, he can fly. I've always been like one to, to like that idea, but 
Uh, in this case, I think it still works just because I still want the uh, able to leap tall buildings in a single bound uh, verse, I guess. Yeah, no, I can see that. And I think that they did use that in in Smallville. He was doing the leaping before he got to flying. There you go. Yeah, so there's at least one positive for you there. <laughs> but um, yeah, I like that as we see Clark fly down from the twister and save this this uh, gas, sta- gas station attendant. This is kind of the first time we see the blurred colors uh, following the, the flight trail uh, thing that we get throughout this book. Yes. Yeah, and I like to see it there, and I, I love to see the use of it later. But um, yeah, more more cellar imagery here. <laughs> yeah, we have an explode. We have the gas station explodes, and Clark is there protecting, again protecting uh, Mister Claw as the tornado itself rampages through the town. And we go at least to my page uh, thirty-two, and great two-page spread of once again it's beautiful disaster. It's yep. just beautiful as. Um, the tornado tornado dissipates and we just see the aftermath. Yeah, it's pretty sad. And then we see uh, Clark, he goes back home and the, the Kents were down in their little little cellar down there. And we get this beautiful image of them all hugging together with Shelby there, trying to get in on the action. And yeah, I think that's beautiful too. And you just, I love the colors as well. Like just the, yeah. the, the nice little hues, the reds, the purples, the orange, it's good. Plus, it's a, a thumbs up on that one. Yeah, and I like that there's almost, uh, like, Clark is so big and so, like, he's got a such an interesting quality to him as a, an image there. It There's almost, like, a lack of realism to his to his uh, design choices. But, but for whatever reason, I think it works well. Again, this is, how do I put this? Even though this is going for a little more down-to-earth realism, there's still some... Uh, creative decisions and it's it's a little bit more um, exaggerated but for the style that uh, Tim Sale's doing I think it works perfectly I think it works wonderfully Um, never do I feel like there's any I don't think there's any bad art in this in this whole book no no definitely not well but uh, yeah then we get to see Clark kind of fixing some stuff up on the, the farm there and then we cut to Unless you have more to say about that bit there. <laughs> okay, maybe. What, so the tractor ended up in the barn, uh, in the barn roof. Um, maybe. Okay, maybe, maybe it's a little weird. I'm mean, Maybe I uh, take back what I said. Maybe that's bad art. But it looks, the perspective of the tractor itself, even though it's very well detailed and looks like an actual tractor and with all the wheels, kind of looks a little weird. It looks distorted, like it's bent. Not obviously intentionally but i don't know it just looks like it's in a fisheye lens it's it's weird yeah um little fisheye but i do love the question posed in this where you know he's he's telling his parents you should have seen what the town looks like uh and he was you know mulling over again i i, I can't help thinking i could have done more yeah and that really yeah that really strikes something with with jonathan yeah, and they follow up his kind of questionings in that scene and he goes over to the the local pastor and tries to get some more uh, advice out of him. And I really like that, that scene there. I think that's really great. And I like how he strikes up kind of a little companionship with this, this pastor here. And we'll see him a bit later as well. Yeah. Talking about uh, the Lord may have given us the tools, but it's man who has to fix it. And uh, yeah. Uh, but, but basically yeah, he's, he's questioning the whole, like, you know, what if one man could have, like prevented all this from, from happening. That's he's wondering, yeah. you know, 
we each do what we can. Uh, we're able to do Clark, uh, some less, some more. Uh, but when the Almighty sets a course, there's nothing any man can do about that. And Clark, of course, asks, but what if there was one? Yeah, and then uh, as spring comes to an end, we see Clark graduating from high school. And Clark kind of makes a, a big decision at the end of this this first comic here, or this first issue. And he decides uh, not only is he going to reveal his secret to, to his, his partner, Lana, his girlfriend, but uh, we also see that he's decided he's not going to spend any more time in Smallville. And I think that's a really beautiful scene in terms of the, the fantastic color work. I love the, the the image of them flying. I think that's just great. And I love the, the writing in that scene, the dialogue between them. I think all that stuff plays really well. And that is kind of a, a magical quality to it. I am sorry. I, I forgot one thing I wanted to mention, uh, which is really cool narration bit that Jonathan did before the storm happened. Because uh, when, when we hit the scene with the pastor and we went to the church, um, I was like, wait a minute, where's the little like bit about you know how um, Jonathan doesn't go to church. And I'm like, Oh, that's back mm. when the storm's about to hit. Uh, you know, he's like, now I didn't put too much stake in being a church going per uh, sort. Uh, that was more of Martha's ways. Myself. I never doubted that mother nature could level the playing field when uh, need be, which is a great setup for when he then says, we all got uh, to till the land, sell the fields, reap the bounty. Every now and then there had to be a price, which is the one page spread of the, uh, I'm sorry, the two page spread of the twister. So sorry, I completely forgot about <laughs> that. But yes, now to um, graduation. So again, blues, 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 blues everywhere. It's it's wonderful. Uh, so looks like yeah, there's a barbecue. I don't see no. I uh, oh, no. Oh, no. I see okay. Yeah, I see Clark there. He's got the baseball cap on there, and he takes it off. And I guess when he's going to talk to Lana about stuff, uh, there's Pete Ross there. Love her dress. I think that green is. Again, just beautiful. It looks yellow in the next panel, but like, ah, yeah, yeah, it looks, it looks great. Uh, they're playing some croquet uh, as well, which is funny. But yeah, basically, and we'll we'll come back to the scene actually in a way, which which I which I like. Yes. Um, where, but from another person's perspective, of course, because uh, there's no narration between these two. Uh, or sorry, Jonathan's narration. Pardon me, not uh, there. There, of course, is narration between the two of them, but. Um, let's just say that Lana was expecting something else and instead she, well, instead she starts flying like she was Wendy and Peter Pan <laughs> and we get that two preach spread of him just, you know, holding her and it's interesting how this is a little weird, but like, and, and maybe obviously somebody could just be like, oh, but you see he's extending his bioelectric field out for her. Uh, through uh, around her so she's now uh, floating like he is uh, doesn't really matter but it's funny how she's not like like hanging from him like she's holding on to him if that makes sense because she can't fly but he can it's 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 a little weird but that two page spread is wonderful I would love to see uh, he, he'll never do this but I'd love to see Hayao Miyazaki animate something that's you know Superman related just because he's you know one of the first things I think of when uh, I think of flying somebody flying and then it's, it's Clark here flying and it's, it's wonderful. Oh, but as we get this really beautiful scene of Clark uh, saying goodbye to Lana and kind of showing his love and, and trust in her. then we also get the follow-up scene of him saying goodbye to his parents. And there's a, we get a nice little scene with Martha there, 
But the image, the final image with him and Jonathan standing in front of that sunset, well, I thought that when I first saw that image, I was so stunned by it. It actually made me uh, tear up a little bit. I was like, wow, that's so incredible, that image there. It's such beautiful use of color and just the, I like the separation between the two of them. I just think that's gorgeous. Yeah, there's so much you can extrapolate from from this uh, th- this single, not single, but this double page spread. Uh, you see the farmer, you see the one that produces food uh, for people to eat, and then you see Clark in a suit that represents industry and capital. Even though he's he's none of that, but he's like you know he's he's going to the developed world, he's going to uh, the big city and whatnot. So. But yep. it's, I just love, you know, his, the, the little question between the two of them of just like, do you ever get tired of looking at that? Nope. Never have. Guess I never will. And it just perfectly, perfectly contrasts uh, and compares to the next page of another two page spread. Tim Saley, you sail, you magnificent son of a gun. Um, where he then. We got we shoot over to Metropolis and we see industry. <laughs> it's basically as the sun sets, uh, the sunrise. Or I wonder if it is actually. Yeah, is it coming in from the east or is it setting in the west? I actually don't know. I don't know which way is north, so I have no idea. Like either way, I took it as a yeah sunrise. And I like Jonathan's line of uh, the country mouse leaves Smallville and becomes a city mouse. I like that little bit there. Oh yeah, no. That, uh, that absolutely is true, and I yeah no this is this is a great metropolis. It looks like yeah it's a see some like platforms that people can walk on uh, high above where all the uh, the streets are. Yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah, and that was making me think of uh, the animated series. I feel like that kind of thing was going on in that as well. Semi like futuristic look. It is a futuristic look to the point where we see a giant L. Oh yes, yeah, that's right. Because we're so literal, anyways. Um, <laughs> And uh, the, the big important thing, by the way, I, I have to stress this enough, time passes. Yep. So we're still in spring, of course, but this is a indeterminate amount of time uh, has uh, indeterminate amount of time has passed uh, since Clark left Smallville. So and it looks like he is indeed established as uh, a reporter for the Daily Planet. Yeah, and we see he's already working with Lois and Jimmy, and Perry White's already uh, doing some hounding to you know get out there and do some work. Yep. And Superman is his the identity of Superman's already been formed too, as we see uh, uh, Lois out on a date with Lo with Lex. I guess trying to get a maybe an interview out of him or get some information. And who zooms past by the uh, the blur, going from Smallville again? <laughs> the big boy, the big blue Boy Scout. Excuse me. Yeah, and we see this little kid, this this reckless kid, running on one of those platforms, chasing his cat. And it's like, wow, these platforms really, what are they, at a Star Wars? Where's the uh, banisters? This kid almost falls to his death. No rails. No no handrails whatsoever. Yeah, but before this kid can die, Superman catches him, and the kid's like, wow, what a cool costume. And I very much agree. I think it just looks fantastic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so fantastic that he's like, he's very open about the fact that his mom made it for him. I'm like, thumbs up to that. Yeah, and I like, uh, I feel like some of these images, maybe Tim Sale, just like they were like, maybe even impressed him. And he puts his little signature on a couple of them. Oh, yeah. Here there throughout the book. No, this is, there's like throughout the entire book, you'll see like 
uh, either like TS 99 or 98, excuse me, in the background, like on the one of the, I think either right or left hand corners of the bottom of the page. Um, and this is stuff you can pin to walls. And once again, yeah, these are absolutely like storyboards. If you were ever to like do live action or, well, I'd rather see this animated, but uh, live action. And this uh, this my mom made it for me page. This is another one where I was just like, wow, this this is next level art. Like just all the work in the background, the the foreground work is great too. But as it like stretches back, I love the the way the buildings, like they're kind of just like black on the side. I, I think that just is so stunning looking. Yeah, I think it's because there's a bunch of light that's somewhere. I don't know if it's this, it's it's night, obviously, but I think it's because of like uh, lights being generated from. Uh, any electric signs or other mm. buildings. Uh, so I, I think the lighting just is once again, stellar, like, like thumbs up on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Just fantastic. But as we come to the close, the last page, we see that there's uh yeah, there's someone else out there. Who's not exactly a fan of this new, uh, this new Superman. And this is the first page. I think that we get the Superman, uh, like the classic image of the title. I mean, <laughs> the very last panel. Yes. No, uh, we, we cut to uh, the L and we see one Luthor uh, drinking, yeah. you know, scotch, brandy, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> so maybe uh, the Luthor brand of brandy. Uh, and <laughs> just seeing soups go by and uh, Jonathan talking about how, you know, he, we're not sure if we're different from any other parents. And we, that, as any parent would, we always, you know, a parent worries about their, their children. Um, you know, they make sure they're eating right. They're making the making friends and that they'll stay out of harm's way even if he is superman uh as we end with lex uh saying it's going to be a long hot summer yes and then we jump into uh the summer yes the second issue here this one written from lois's perspective and i really like throughout this this uh chapter of it we kind of see how lois's world in some ways was turned upside down like her her kind of vision of what was possible changed when Superman showed up and brought this kind of new hope to her, a new, uh, new paradigm or something. <laughs> but this first page, again, just the, the city work, I just think it looks incredible. This is one of my favorite visions, Metropolis. The squiggly lines on the, I, yeah, like only in comic books, man, like this and, and animation, excuse me. This looks so cool. I, I've not seen a Metropolis, uh, look at uh, look similar to that at all even the adventures of lois and clark this that's ah, not even in there i love it thumbs up on that one yeah and then the next page there's another big full page spread oh man just that image of superman again just this is some of my some of the best superman imagery i've seen around it just the, the strange kind of bulkiness the huge square jaw the hair it's just so perfect for the character and the way the colors pop is just Oh man, I just can't get enough of it. <laughs> I also love his crimson tights, by the way, like how, or his, I guess, yes. boxers and how they're like, you know, crimson. It works so well. Yeah. They almost have, look like they have like a gloss to them. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's just great. I don't think I've seen that in live action, but maybe they should think about translating that. That might look really well. Really I'm good. pretty sure Tim or Bruce Tim has that in uh, justice league. Oh, cool. Yeah, maybe I don't remember. Hmm. You probably don't, but I, I do remember that. It was similar to, uh, I think, one of... I think Wonder Woman also has, like, a sheen on one of her 
uh, in one of her costumes or on one of her costumes, excuse me, uh, part of her costume, excuse me. So, but anyways, I love just the fact that he's saying good morning, Metropolis. And while you yes. could, while you could, def- the fact that he's not squinting, he's squinting his eyes or I'm pretty sure that's just the way, you know, he's drawing him. Um, yeah. It's not menacing. Like you could say like, oh, maybe it's menacing. Like, I don't think it is. I, I literally don't think it is. He's, he's trying to be like everybody else. He's just, you know, Superman. He's just, he's, he's like any other like average Joe. He's like any other bud. Yeah. And like we mentioned the first issue there, um, the narration really doesn't have anything to do with the, the images that we're seeing, but I like the kind of uh, dive into Lois's kind of her mindset and her experiencing the Superman phenomenon. And I like that the, uh, the voice of the, the character sounds very different than Jonathan's. So I think Jeff Loeb did a good job differentiating between them. Now, obviously, they didn't go with a different font. I'm, I'm totally fine with that. But they went with a different color yeah. for the panels itself. And I'm pretty sure that's the same with every other, uh, the other two narrators of, uh, of Fall and Winter. Yeah. Yeah, a common trope. Yeah, exactly. Which is smart. Uh, it gives a distinction of who's talking. But I, I don't remember if Perry, uh, if uh, Perry White said this in Adventures of Lois and Clark. Um, but it's through, and I don't know if this is common with Perry White, but uh, we haven't seen it recently, uh, or I haven't like you know encountered it except for here, where it's like there's he has three rules other than I guess the hard facts, uh, uh, hmm. the hard facts quote he was spewing out in Lois and Clark. Um, but, or yeah, sorry, uh, Adventures of Lois and Clark. Um, believe none of what you hear, uh, half of what you see, and everything you write. Yeah, you know. I, I respect that. I should apply that to my own uh, form of writing. Yeah, and throughout this book, there's a repeated kind of question of like, why, like, why does he do? Why does he do what he does? Like, it's incredible that someone with his ability would decide to dedicate his time to helping people. And I like that. That's kind of Lois's point to make during this this issue. Oh yeah, that's what she repeatedly comes to. Uh, because she um, she supports Perry's. Uh, rules they make sense to her um they made sense to her which was which was uh underlined uh as past tense um because now all those rules fall into the same category it's all bs before superman Mm -hmm. yeah i love that yeah yeah another thing i loved on another full page spread i believe it's page 55 and that's we see this this completely like uh chrome or or shiny silver rocket coming down and superman grabs it and we see the all the the clouds reflected off of it and at the very front his own image and colors are reflected off of it and that's another one when i saw it i was just like holy fuck like that that is such an image there i would just i would just die to have that <laughs> on my wall that's just stunning i think you know what sucks i don't see sales name anywhere yeah you should have put it on that one absolutely that like that's been I, see i don't know how he if I, I he drew that obviously but i i assume that hansen colored that whole thing like good job hansen like seriously like absolutely like wonderful job yeah oh man it's just gorgeous on this uh, were, you, were you getting some uh oh man i actually forgot the name of this um do you remember the end of I should have brought my phone up with me? Um, one of the Hideaki Kaguchi, the last Hideaki Kaguchi entries we did. Yeah. Wind named Amnesia. Thank you. A wind named Amnesia. You remember the end where the alien spacecraft shows up and it's just chrome? 
like this yeah where you see the reflection yeah. like i'm i was thinking of that yeah, and I just realized that as Clark throws that that rocket into space, he says, uh, "Farewell, Earth Traveler." Yeah, I was like, "Oh, that's weird to bring that back." <laughs> Even though it's a really good one, but in a way, I guess you could say here's where he like leaps tall buildings within a single bound, sort of, because <laughs> he can yeah. go into space. He can exit the atmosphere. Oh yeah, and I love that image of him in space, looking back at Earth, and just uh, all the way that they capture like the galaxies and things like that, or the. The kind of star, uh, what are those called? Hmm. I guess it is galaxies. Clusters, nebulas, uh, quasars, uh, blazars, all, all, all the cosmological hmm. phenomena. Hmm. And that's another thing is that you see you see this like incredible universe. It's not, or the, yeah, this universe, this space, these outer space. Uh, it's not Kirby uh, stars or po- Kirby poppy art. Um, it's more like, I think, realistic, but... I love the contrast of like, you know, how yellow, red, green, it's all there. And then you just see this blue like planet and you're like, that's us. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. And you look at his colors. It's very similar. And yeah. <laughs> but yeah, then we see him. Uh, I love this, this, as he goes back to earth and goes into the water, we see a man who's just, uh, just on a boat and he's like, wow, I can't wait to tell my kids about this, that he just happened to see. Or was he on the plane, actually? I think the guy was on the plane. Uh, no. Uh, oh, yes, he was on the plane. Yes, because yeah. that's a flight attendant. Because at first I thought it was the LexCorp, uh, one of the uh, LexCorp employee. Because um, we see, uh, as he dives into the water, uh, we yeah. see a LexCorp um, ship uh, over to his left. And But no, it was the plane, because I forgot about it. Yeah, the plane's right there as he goes down. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. So he, he's going somewhere, and this, again, Lois is narrating stuff about you know how he's you know, Clark or Superman knows if you've been bad or good. He's no Santa Claus. Uh, poignant <laughs> right now for us, given that we're almost uh, <laughs> next Sunday is uh, Christmas for us. And uh, talking about him, or she's saying something about like how her sister Lucy uh, and her believed in you know person who wore a cape. Uh, and a golden crown named Prince Charming, and blah blah blah. We go to the uh, the L and see you know Lex having to cut a meeting short because uh, a more pressing matter uh, has arisen. Yeah, and I'm sure you know that I love this next little sequence here. Oh well, hey, like I said, this is is this not blue? Yeah, as we see uh, Clark swimming under the water, going to this this seemingly. Uh, uh, terrorist uh, sub. I didn't know what kind of uh, group that this maybe looked like it was meant to be, but well, but you see, this is the sub from the abyss. Uh, it definitely looks a lot more pink than the. Uh, I remember the abyss looking, but I'll I'll take it. I like the pink. Oh well, I think that's supposed to be red, but that's just me. <laughs> oh yeah, maybe that's my my color blindness speaking up again. But yeah, it certainly looks pink to me. Yeah, it looks. I'm. It does look pink, but I I assume it's just like that red color. Like you can only go so far without making the whole scene red. <laughs> yeah, but as we see on the the images of the sub, it seems like there's maybe a mysterious female uh, figure in there, someone who shouldn't uh, belong on the sub. A femme fatale. Mm, could be, could be. Oh, and also there is no narration boxes on this one, other than like them speaking. I mean. Yeah. Then we cut to the Metropolis Air Base, and there's this this sleek old looking car there. And I was like, wow, Lex is at the Metropolis Air Base. What the hell is he doing there? I guess if you're a rich tycoon, you can show up to these kind of situations just unannounced. 
Yeah, it's like you don't have. Uh, yeah, there's no. Do you have clearance, sir? Uh, they also. <laughs> uh, here's where Lois amuses something about Lex, uh, which I guess Pete Ross kind of wished he was like. Um, mm. Where they talk about uh, what? What is it? Oh yeah, about the making one hundred and fifty dollars a second, and if he wouldn't even, it'd be a waste of his time to bend down to pick a hundred dollar bill off the ground if he saw it. That's something else, man. Yeah. Just that detail alone. We don't see that ever, but just that like narration and like explanation is enough to like kind of paint Luthor yeah. as a scumbag. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah, it's something, an abnormality. There you go. Maybe not a scumbag. Yeah. Not, not a scumbag, at least in this, at this point, but like, yeah, yeah. not a, uh, not, not, not somebody you can trust. And somebody who lives in a completely different world than almost anyone else. Cause oh, that's yeah. just, yeah, that'd be such a treat for almost anyone, but for him, it just uh, just more dirt on the ground. And he's, you know, he's at this air base and he's looking up, and he just sees like, you know, next page again. There's no, there's no little uh, uh, sale uh, signature there, but yeah, he's got a, he's got by by one hand, by the way, he's got the sub. Yep. Yeah, and he tears it open, gets them all to surrender, and then when he sees uh, Lex there. Just, I love the way that they made the little uh, speech box when he says Luther. It's got like this really gravelly, like torn under part of it. I was like, ooh, that's ominous. <laughs> yeah. Luthor. Like there's uh, been prior history. There's some bad blood there. Yeah, and I've never seen them use that uh, kind of playing with the box in that way for emphasis. So I think that's cool. Yeah, especially since uh, this whole time, all the letter boxes have just been traditional circles. And here, I, I feel like I actually have seen stuff like that before where it mostly, I think, involves uh, if characters are talking through something electronic like a telephone or like a radio transmission or, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, they use more like a clean cut box and then have the kind of robotic looking writing type of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Although the yeah, the the font is, is still the same. It's just, yeah, the. The, the bottom of the, the, the bubble itself, the balloon is, is yeah, just jagged and all of a sudden emphasizing like, oh, there's there's something going on here. Yeah, and then we get this scene with the the terrorist grabs Lois and he's like, Superman, you know, I've I'm holding a a gunpoint here. I've got I've got the leverage on my side. And I like that Lex tries to step up. He's like, Oh, I'll I'll handle it from here, Superman. <laughs> then soups just immediately is just like, no, like you basically can't fuck with me. Like I'm so above everyone else as, uh, the, I mean, Hey, the, 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 the indiscriminate or the, uh, what, what, what is it? The, um, the undetermined terrorist from some nation, uh, did gloat him saying, uh, let's see if you are faster than a speeding bullet. Well, it's certainly faster than a, you know, your, your reaction time. <laughs> Yeah, and that blur of of the the red, yellow, and blue there, I just think is incredible. That's just oh, yeah. looks so great. And he knocks both the hats off. In fact, they both go this like they both go the opposite direction, not opposite direction, but they both kind of almost like get sucked towards each other. It's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, that is a cool detail. Yeah, yeah. So he grabs the gun, and then Lois does uh, shows the uh, un, undefi- undefiable uh, terrorist from some nation that she also is a military brat and, uh, you know, kicks his arse. Yep. And even though we saw in that first, uh, first issue, we saw that her and Lex were going out again, maybe it was just so that she could get information, but either way, 
Lex is like, oh, Miss Lane, I'll drive you home, you know. But then she goes with Superman instead, flies her off, and Lex is just pissed. So this poor guy, all the indignities, you know, everything's getting stolen from him. He's got his little terrorist plot getting ruined. His girl's getting stolen by the Superman. Like, what's what's it going to give for this this billionaire? This poor guy. <laughs> yeah, no, and uh, super before they leave, Superman kind of gives him a very like stern talking of you know about how that missile, that chrome missile we saw, uh, may have been manufactured by the LexCorp, and yeah. uh, so he's he's. Basically saying, if your fingerprints are on it, oh boy, am I going to come for you? Yeah, and we see uh, Lois is kind of trying to maybe, you know, warn warn Superman. Like, hey, you know, you're, I get you, you, you don't like Lex, but maybe don't nudge him the way you do. Don't poke at him the way you do. It's like no one talks to Lex Luthor that way. But Superman's definitely got a big, got it, he's got it out for that guy. He's not a fan at all. Yes, no, there's some, there's some, what, what I like is I think time has passed. Um, I mean, they, say, they literally did say like time, uh, time passes. And so this is not like Superman Earth One or Earth One, uh, year one, excuse me. This is not, uh, let, me, let me just state this. This is not all in the same year. Um, yeah. This is not like him in the, because if it was, well, then that would be a very different story. This is like, he's, this is like year five or, or something like that for him. Yeah, and I like the the brief little scene here with regular Lois and, and Clark where she comes in and Clark kind of asks her like, hey, by the way, how'd you get on that submarine? And for a minute there, she looks suspicious or, or something. Like, do you think she questioned, like, how does he know? Like, I just came into the building. Yeah, I was kind of wondering that. Yeah, probably. Uh, I like how he comes out of the supply room, by the way. That old gag. Yeah, straightening his tie. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully, uh, I don't. One of those days, Perry didn't find him in there and about to jump out the window, yeah. and he's just like, uh... "Yeah, I thought he was masturbating or something." Like they did that, <laughs> or you know, contemplating, uh, well, ending his life. Yeah, <laughs> and then we we actually get the Lois and Clark sequence here because we go to his uh, his apartment, and again, the beautiful uh, blues and light greens in there. That's just great looking. Very much enjoy all that stuff. And we contrast, uh, we contrast the scene with him in his room, in his in his uh, parents, uh, in his parents' house, uh, with his little apartment that he's got here uh, in, in in Metropolis, which I very much like. Yeah, uh, it's a lot more simple. We see he's got like you know a small little you know uh, a, a, a tube there, and he had a little like Smallville flag there. Yeah, it's very yeah, it's very like quaint and uh, a lot more less messy than uh, his his room was back home, eh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we we after that we cut back and Lois and the narrations talking about how Clark kind of slips off into his or he says that he thinks uh, maybe Superman slips off into some sort of fortress fortress of solitude, and that's kind of the the transition back to going back to Smallville for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, even before that she was using in the narration about like where he goes, like where, like, you know, what does Superman do? Like, does he have a day off or something like that? Like that contrast there. Uh, also love when we, when we cut to, you know, Jonathan's like, uh, from what you were saying before this from a man who starts his day with cornflakes. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Definitely like that as well. And I also really like the, the hug and the, the sea of corn there. I think that's really beautiful. No, I mean, uh, a fortress of solitude. I wonder if it has a drawbridge. Yeah, and I, 
I will say just as a mild spoiler, I was kind of disappointed we didn't see a, a version of the Fortress of Solitude in this. Because I think this art would have done some great stuff with it. I think it you're you're right, but I'm actually okay with uh there not being that with that not existing. Hmm. Um but yeah, so totally just seeing like if if Sale did another or Sale did another book, um you definitely want to see him there. And this is also a nice little contrast, this uh two page spread, which by the way I could see uh uh Sale's signature there uh in the bottom right hand corner. Uh this is a nice little contrast where uh it's the end of the day, I believe, and uh yeah the the field in in spring that we last saw has now uh produced crops even though again that was like you know years ago i just like that contrast yeah like now everything's in full bloom bloom because it's summer clark is uh yeah he's still got this kind of down energy to him he's still not really quite where he, he he's lonely he's not really quite where he wants to be and so coming back to smallville it wasn't just to get some time with his family but he was also there to look for for lana try to reconnect with her and i like that they they use this as a chance to kind of catch up with him and that priest again a little bit or pastor i should say they say pastor but he's got the the catholic uh the priest thing in his neck i think there so yeah he's got that little like priest collar that they they usually have there yeah and i like the i like their little exchange again there i like just this little bond between them i think that that works well so we, you know, he's going to, Clark's going, he's going to see Lana. He goes to Aunt Ruth's house there uh, and sees that Pastor Lindquist is uh, doing the garden there. But it turns out that uh, Aunt Ruth, she, she passed away and uh, Lana left. She's, uh, she's gone. As in she went to see, she went off to see the world. Yeah. And I like that. Uh, it gives us a chance to show that the town kind of appreciates what Clark's doing, even though they don't fully know about his Superman thing. They're still proud of him as becoming a, a Daily Planet reporter. And that means something to this small little town. So I, I like that. Yeah, the community itself is is rejoicing that um not that this place is a dump or anything like that, but they're 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 pr- I don't know if it's like pride or if it's like, oh yeah, he's he's from Smallville, so like, you know, he's one of us or anything like that. I think it's it's a more down to earth kind of like um what is it, appreciation, if if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, uh, they're they're so proud as as we go to the next scene with uh, Clark taking some time to hang out with Pete Ross, the the guy at the, I think it's the general store. Yeah. Yep, it's the general store. Yeah, it gives him the drinks on on him. He's like, here you go, big city reporter. Like, here's some free drinks for you. Just uh, we're all proud of you here. And the guys at the table are still talking like, oh, didn't I say Clark was gonna do great things? So, so I appreciate that. Again, that's that the nice little small town mentality. They're all supporting each other in that way. No, Tom didn't ever remember you saying that the boy did it all himself by himself. Huh. Yeah, exactly. No, the the town is the town is very appreciative of him. Uh, it really is kind of like if uh, if if somebody got out of like you know a, a lower income place, uh, made a name for themselves, and they they go back and show appreciation for their community. Uh, yeah. it is very much like that, which is always the best thing you could ever see. And I really like, uh, as we cut to the next page, they kind of do a mirror of that page with uh, Jonathan and Martha before that night. Except this time it's Lois and Martha, and I like that they repeat that thing with the glasses, with the stars reflecting off them. I think that was a, a fun little touch. Lois and Martha. I don't know. It doesn't look like Lois to me. Clark Clark and Martha. <laughs> <laughs> Set up and payoff of contrast. Now the man is 
uh, his old man. And not, not that he doesn't have kids, but just like, yeah, now he's looking at the stars. Um, I seem out of place in the city. And I thought I always thought Smallville would feel like home. Again, just the, the gla- like the reflection of, of space. Again, yeah. he goes into space and he looks at Earth and is just like, that's my home. And doesn't feel like, not that Krypton was, you know, space. It was just another planet. But like, I just, I love that. Like, oh, it's so, it's there if you if you see it. It's, it's great. Yeah, almost in a way reflecting on his origin. Saying that he felt, feels out of place in the city. Now he doesn't even feel necessarily like he's got his place in his old home. So yeah, maybe looking to the stars and wondering about, even though they don't say it, maybe wondering about his origin, if he would have fit better there. So yeah, I, I like the subtlety of that. And as as of this point, it doesn't seem like Martha and John have revealed uh, the origins of the rocket ship. That is the question of if they if they know if he's alien or not. I thought they said that they did tell him everything. Oh, maybe you're right. The, the, the rocket ship. That's right. Never mind. I think you're right. Yeah. Never mind. Um, but I, I do like the fact that if even though we don't see uh, the rocket or anything like that, uh, she does. Uh, Martha does bring up a good point about you know how. Uh, it's all part of growing up, Clark. Uh, it isn't always easy. It isn't always fun. Just the idea that uh, he—it's he, been years since he's uh, come back. Maybe not years, but he's—he's he's come back here to Smallville, and a lot of things have changed. We see that, um, and so yeah, yeah. Tom kind of moves on, or at least maybe not moves on. Obviously, those those guys at the general store are still doing their card game, right? Yeah, but. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean, where, you know, some of the, the, the people, some of your classmates, at least, you know, Pete Ross is still there and Solana's left. So, yeah, I, I, I sort of get what he means. Also, can I just point out in the previous page, um, when Pete's talking about, um, uh, what is, oh, and by the way, in, in the other previous page, when Pete gets into the store, he rubs that elephant bust hmm. uh, against a nice little detail there. But he... Uh, he, he asks Clark if, uh, you know, all about like Lex Luthor, if you ever met him and whatnot. Because, you know, he still wants Pete Ross to still aiming to be that billionaire, billionaire like Lex Luthor. And I love Clark's response of like, yes, he puts on his pants like everybody else does <laughs> one leg at a time. I'm like, hey, that's that's true. Every every billionaire, millionaire, scumbag, terrorist, every single person out there, dictator, they all like go to sleep. They all put on pants and wear clothes and they all brush their teeth, I think, and uh, go to bed. So like, we're all the same. Yeah. Of course, no, we're very differently though. Of course, all the same. Yeah. And then cutting ahead over to a uh, back to Metropolis, we see a big fire at the, the Chemco uh, labs and we'll see uh, it's, we got the fire trucks down there to try to try to put out the fire, but we actually get a new sort of uh, superhero coming in or potential superheroes as we see these, what, what do they call them again? Uh, Guardians of the City. There you go. Yeah, these little LexCorp uh, contrived superheroes and their little kind of classic Lex uh, super outfits with the, the green and the purple look. At least I think that's purple. Again, my color blindness. That is purple, <laughs> yes. Don't worry, that is purple. Yeah, so I like how, the, how they incorporate that in there. Yeah, these are uh, unmanned drones, it looks like. I thought it was man, men in suits, but I'm pretty sure it's a drone. Like especially when Lois says, uh, "Typical Luther sends in the dro- send in the drones." No personality, no independence. So it's not person in suit; it's robots. Oh, that's interesting. I took that as uh, yeah, kind of taking the heart out of Superman and just giving this us these kind of personalityless drones. But I thought they were still humans, but maybe they are robots. 
I think I'm at least I'm, as of the, now I'm I'm saying they are robots. Uh, sure. Maybe they're piloted, not pilot, but they're remotely controlled, uh, and there's like a microphone that somebody speaks into. I I don't know, or if they do have like vocal cords that spew out stuff, kind of like the uh, those Stark drones in Age of Ultron. Oh yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, but yeah, we basically see yeah, there's no there's no personality to them. They uh, while they are putting out the fire or whatnot, uh, they're like, oh yeah, we scanned the entire building and nobody's in there. Uh, and Superman just like, uh, no, that's that's not that's not correct. Yeah. yeah. And he uses his X-ray vision to look in and, and find a victim and pulls her out. And I love the way that uh, he puts out this this fire here. I think that just is such such a cool image and a cool idea. Super breath. Great. We see that again. Wonderful. Um, and then the reason we he has a cape and this is the. Thank you, Jeff Loeb, for having it be the like the most practical way of of like him using a cape. Is he wraps up, you know, this this person, this this woman, uh, like with his cape and just like you know brings her over to the EMTs. It's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Then he flies up and does this kind of uh, like a twister routine and pulls up all the the fire into this this vortex that he creates, and then pulls it all the all the way over to the ocean and throws it into there i thought that was really just a great idea for how he could put out a fire i thought that was really cool it was uh, i kind of wish even though we get a one-page spread uh of him you know twirling around like spinning let's try spinning (laughs) um golly even the picture of him like you know t-posing christ posing whatever you want to call it uh before he starts spinning that's great. Yeah, I don't know why. It just looks it looks magnificent. It looks very operatic almost, and I yeah. think it works perfectly. Um, again, only in a comic book, I think it can work because <laughs> I take this seriously, uh, and even the the scene itself is taking its itself seriously. And I also was wondering if this was a uh, contrast or a um, oh, what is it? Uh, this is a talking point about how before uh, he couldn't stop the twister in smallville Mm. uh back in spring and i wonder if this is him like you know i'm superman i can you know even though he's not changing the course of the mighty rivers he's literally uh like i I mean like literally here but he is figuratively um taking all this fire out of the lab and getting rid of it uh for everybody else that's awesome sorry if i'm broken record but like thumbs up for this scene (laughs) Yeah, and he kind of uh, chides the the Lex drones. He's like, "Go back with your tail between your legs, and you know, don't do this again. You almost killed this one with your carelessness." And then the the news reporters interview this lady, and it turns out her name's Miss Vaughn. It is Lois, by the way, because we see Lois and Jimmy. Uh, in, oh yes, in you're one right. Panels, so yeah, she's she's right there, and Jimmy's getting a snapshot of her. Yeah, and it turns out uh, surprisingly, this this character here is going to go on to to play a role as uh, Lex goes to pay her a visit and she's, I can't tell if it was because of Superman saving her or, or if before, but either way, she's now like a, like a Superman cultist. Like she's decorated her whole, turned her whole apartment into like a shrine to him. So it's kind of creepy. Very much. Yeah. I don't know if obsessed is the word, but yeah, yeah, my, my strange addiction. Uh, But she certainly reveres Superman. And you, you certainly can understand why of just how, yeah, no, just like she, she was saved by him. He's my angel again, angel. 
Um, and I love the the buildup, by the way. We, we get to this where Luthor, you know, goes to her, her apartment and whatnot. And, you know, his chauffeur is just like, well, she's in the apartment. He, well, would you like me to go get her? And he's like, no, this requires a personal touch. Uh, uh-huh, Luther, what would you uh, know about a personal touch? But um, <laughs> a walk up in this day and age. I don't, I don't, I don't know if he's like m- grumbling about that or if he's just saying that. Uh, the, th- the things I do for the city, it feels like he is complaining there. It's like, yeah, hang out with these lunatics. He puts on this whole facade. But in that last page, by the way, of you know her little shrine uh, to Superman, he can't even look. He can't even look at her. Like he can't not even look at. He can't. He can't even like like look at at this mural. Yeah. <laughs> just like has his head not pointed at like you know the camera or close, but he just he just has to like he can't even look. He's just like ah, it's, it's not good. Yes, but then we move over to fall, autumn, and now we get the the Lex Luthor point of view, which I wasn't expecting. I was like, oh, who are they going to pick next time? So I was like, oh, this is interesting. We're getting Lex now. Oh, and by the way, in the previous, uh, in the, just in the previous panel, we basically, this was an article that, uh, all the narration was an article that Lois Lane wrote, by the way. Mm. Um, just because, and especially since she closes it with like, there's a day, uh, there isn't a day when I don't think about Perry's three rules, and even though a Superman flies in the face of them, literally, as long as I believe everything I write, I'll sign my name on it by Lois Lane, so... That was that was even a cool thing where if you kept looking at those narrations, it was her, I guess, writing either what is it a, a personal or an editorial? I don't I don't know what they're called, but like something in the newspaper. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, like throughout, like seeing newspapers when she was having her like. Uh, no, it's like she took out a like a like a not a panel, but she took out a a page or something like that to write her, I guess, personal viewpoint or whatever mm-hmm. that's called. But yeah, sorry. Anyway, yeah, we get to we get to Luthor. Yeah, take it away. This is a love story, not between a man and a woman, but between a man and a city. My city, Metropolis. We open it up with, with Lex. He's been arrested. He's getting his fingerprints done. And he kind of, uh, we see him talking to the media and just kind of brushing it off. Like, oh, this is going to, you know, it's not a big deal. You're all going to forget about this. I'm going to forget about this. But he's internally, he's secretly seething. And I think this is because... Actually, why was he arrested again? Was it because of that uh, that whole terrorist plot, or what was this again? Huh. So it doesn't look like it. It might be because of that, but we have we have no idea. Oh, okay. Yeah. It just says like Superman may have thought getting Lex arrested was a cute stunt, but in shaming Lex, he may have gone too far. Yeah, but either way, he definitely has inspired some a really devious plot in, in Luther's mind here. Just personal revenge, really. And so he goes back. He's he's acting all normal. And um, I like that Superman, again, he's really poking this, this Lex here. Because as they're flying Lex back home, Superman even shows up to kind of intercept. You know what I mean? Not even do anything. He's just kind of showing that he's there, like throwing his weight around a little bit. Like, don't forget, I'm here. <laughs> I was like, damn, he's really digging this guy. Or, or uh, digging into him, I should say. Yeah, this is where, like, this is one Superman who, like, even though he would turn the other cheek, he he still at least, like, shows his, like, mean side to, to Luthor. Yeah, the, the disdain. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just like, I do not like you at all. Like, even though I, I seem like the big boy, big blue boy scout, I can't ever say that. <laughs> um, I just, 
Yeah, you and me are like oil and water. Yeah, and as we see uh, uh, Luthor kind of settling in at home, I love the image of him having his, his drink of wine and just the, the, sh- the long shadow behind him and the, the blue of all the shadows there. I think that's that's really pretty. And then I like uh, when he's getting his his uh, stubble shaved and he gets that nick. And I, I thought that was an interesting moment that he was just kind of like, it's all right, everyone makes a mistake. I forgive you. But he has this kind of, this really interior look to him. Like he's he's so reserved and he's, he's just thinking about that plan. I thought that was interesting that they included that. Yeah, which actually almost was like a horror image to me because like the next panel, he's you know at his desk and he's he's doing he's doing either work or he's planning something. I, I have no idea what he's doing. Always planning, but like it's 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 like you know morning, afternoon, and then evening, and then in the evening we see like these two like feet hanging from like you know above yep. <laughs> above him basically, and I swear to you, I thought he like hung his you know oh, oh, i guess his i was gonna say secretary but he, he hung his stylist and i was like yeah. oh my that's 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 creepy and that's insane yeah, and i'd wondered uh why do you think they included that nick a uh, bit i kind of took it as he's so like the normal lex might have fired her on the spot or or blown up but he's so kind of focused on this one revenge that he's He's like he. It's like he's one mi- or a one track mind kind of guy. That's what I took from that little inclusion there. Uh, yeah, I think you kind of answered it in a way of just he sees her making a mistake and he now knows what it feels like to make a mistake. Like he would never be in prison, but we clearly saw that his fingerprints were taken. He was in the slammer for like a spending a night in the summer or spending a night in the slammer in the summertime. So. Is he worried about his power? Is he worried about like um, his influence and uh, his his steadiness and readiness not being there anymore? Like, or would it be an act of weakness if he did like fire her on the spot? It's mm, interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I think you could definitely take a lot from that, but that's that's yeah. my read of it. Yeah, and I really like this exchange, or I guess one sided exchange, because yeah, we mentioned Superman shows up as he's been working all day. And Lex goes out to invite him in for a drink and kind of poke at him a little bit too. And the whole time Superman just silently stares at him with this very threatening, imposing kind of quality. I was like, damn, I wouldn't I definitely wouldn't want this guy riding my my tail here like this. Like oof. Lex is a brave dude. <laughs> Can I just say that in the two preach spread, again, very cool. Um when we see like you know Luther on the left side, and then we see Superman on the right, like so Super or Lex is in the foreground, Superman's in the background. Boy, does does Luther look like the Grinch? <laughs> yeah, I can kind of see it. Like, look at that. I know it's not his face. His skin isn't green. I think it's the light. But man, he just lo- he looks like the Grinch. And I do mean like the Chuck Jones cartoon, the Grinch. Like he just he looks like the Grinch. Oh, I'm sure you mentioned Carrie. <laughs> If you want to believe that, go ahead. Uh, but no, I'm I'm talking about the Chuck Jones cartoon from back in the day. Yeah, and I like that uh, Lex's his ego is so inflated. He kind of sees himself in a way as the savior of the city. Like he took it from this podunk little little nothing city, and he turned it into the metropolis that it is. And he thinks Superman's just some passing fade when Lex Luthor's forever. I like that little insight to this version of Lex and why he's so just uh, burned by 
by Superman's presence. Yeah, indeed. We're going to get more of that um, and more of his backstory in a way. But moving on again, I, I do like that scene. You pretty much said everything I was going to say. Um, <laughs> uh, but we then cut over to, I guess, a, uh, a room in, 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 in the L. And um, it's uh, the, 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 the Miss Vaughn, who we uh, saw previously mm. in the previous chapter of uh, the chemist of Chemco Labs Fire. Uh, getting the uh, clockwork orange treatment. Yeah, but instead of uh, images of horrible brutality, it's images of Superman's uh, hero, Ality. I guess it's just him saving her, really. Heroism, but also, of course, Action Comics number one. Oh, or, or those images. Oh, oh you mean up, the, up at the top banner? Yeah, you see on the top, yeah. in the, in, well, not top, but in the left-hand corner there, you can see him uh, trashing a car, which... I kind of question why he would do that in this in this universe, but I guess fair enough. Yeah, and I'll say this is kind of stupid, but uh, this image of her <laughs> sitting in this kind of theater like this was making me think of Screen X. And I was like, oh, we could have gone to see Avatar in that way. Avatar 2 this, this coming week. They're playing that in Screen X. <laughs> oh, man, I wonder if it'll be similar to uh, in some of the flying scenes that you were talking about in Top Gun Maverick there, eh? Yeah, I'm, I'm mildly curious. I might try to slip in a viewing. I don't know. If I want to see it a third time, I might go see it in Screen X. But... Well, yeah, not only that, it almost seems like there's also a voice that's repeating the same like mantra or the same lines over and over again. Look up in the sky. Yep. It's Bert's playing at Superman who can change the the flights or the change the course of the mighty river. He bends steel with his bare hands. He fights for truth just in the American way. Look up in the sky. It's Bert's playing. And that's just going throughout her head. It's like, oh, he's driving this woman mad and you are a terrible person, Luthor. Yeah, and I'm very curious what exactly he is doing to her here. And I guess we'll question that more as we see this plot develop. But when I got to the end of her little arc, I wasn't sure how this necessarily tied in. But Well, at least at this point, it seems like she is a pawn uh, for yes, him. Yes, definitely a which pawn. Which is really, yeah, he's taking advantage of this this woman so it's it's awful but anyways moving on yeah we cut back to the beautiful image of the the daily planet with some birds flying by it i love that there and did you uh going south for the winter did you try to read this letter from clark that he i did i really did uh that pen really like um blocked its way but yes. it's obviously yeah it's it's just a um it's a uh, letter for his parents obviously yeah um good penmanship by the way uh, and he's basically asking about, uh, you know, he's this, that, the middle, like the minutia here and there. Yeah. Uh, mundane. Even, goes, even, even though he can go see his parents, he still writes. I love that. That's a nice little, um, that's a nice little tick character tick. I like, um, and he does ask about, uh, LL. Yeah. And of course that attracts Lois, att Lois's attention and she's reading it. And I do like Clark when he discovers her reading it, he's got a very kind of, uh, stern he was very stern and he looks just gigantic compared to her she's this tiny little thing <laughs> again he looks like a he's very rectangular she's a little bit more uh you can see like the circles around her uh, yeah. it's great I, I love it it's it's very expressionary i ah it's just great yeah, he's sure built like a like a brick house um and i love <laughs> uh brick you know what house <laughs> you know like on page 109 uh in his glasses as he's saying Lana Lang I like how around his eyes they have this kind of uh, 
I don't know, some interesting coloration of the glasses. Maybe it was that was meant to be like a sheen of light on it or something. Yeah, I'd say I'd say something like that. I don't know if it was full on like it's not fog. Obviously, that would be kind of well, well. I don't know. Maybe I don't. I don't know about that. Either way, it's just a nice little splash of color in there that I think adds a lot to the image. Um, but I did think uh, during this sequence in particular, it kind of called out the era that the era that this might have been in, because we do see computers being used. So it certainly must be in either the the late '80s or the early '90s, or I guess the the '90s anytime. <laughs> but well, I go with what Archer came up with where that even though it's using an aesthetic of the 60s era like the madman era Mm -hmm. um i like it it also still uses it uses uh uh, what what is it it uses um computers from the 80s as well uh which is cool and they still have cell phones as well so you don't have uh it's more like early 2000s cell phones or at least late 2000s but not smartphones it's really cool I, i i really enjoy that so even though there's like modern technology they still like do some uh what, what they, they they still use uh analog in a way which is nice yeah. so there is some analog here but again I, I i treat it as like a mixture of i still call it timeless uh yeah no yeah. there are computers there you're you're right they clearly are like either late 90s computers uh how bulky they are but i it doesn't bother me like it's funny you actually point that out to me i didn't i didn't realize that i missed the computer screens <laughs> i was like you're pointing me pointing that up to me now. I'm like, oh, yeah, I yeah, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, and then we, uh, as Lois and and Clark continue their kind of discussion about this, and uh, she's like, Lana Lang, like, who's that, and how many people do you know with LL initials? I like they call it that little joke too, just like the uh, the cutting the hair joke. Just little nods to the fans who might have noticed these details and wondered about them. Oh yeah, no, just how many like alliterative alliterative characters are there in in Superman? Yeah, yeah, but that's when Lois starts to to cough in the middle of her her speaking, and that's when everybody starts to collapse around him. Yeah. She starts hacking up along as we cut over to L and see Luthor um, saying truth, justice, and then and the American way, and we get a great two page spread of everybody in the. Uh, Except for Perry, for some reason, everybody in the uh, office just you know collapsing. Uh, especially when Lois asks, like, "Who is Lana Lang?" Uh, oh, not uh, not everybody, because there's somebody, or maybe he is. I don't know, but there's there's a guy uh, kind of parallel to yeah, Clark's eyes, where he's like going, "Oh no!" And, like reaching <laughs> out his hand, but he's not. Everybody else has passed. Like you see, Jimmy there uh, passed out as well with his camera. So it's like, what's what's going to end? Perry obviously. Where's he? Gives the old great Caesar's ghosts. Yeah. Uh, gives a little catchphrase there. Uh, and then we see something else that I, I feel like is pretty classic for Superman. Just opening up the, the elevator and jumping down the elevator uh, uh, chambers. <laughs> I don't know what to call it. Uh, the elevator uh, shaft. Shaft, there you go. <laughs> yeah, down the, uh, the elevator <laughs> shaft there. Yeah, I feel like I've seen that quite a bit. And I always like that image as well. And I love the little, I think it's on... At least on our page, it's, it's on page 113 for me. Uh, the second panel. I love the shadowy image of Luthor, as he says, and the American way. Oh, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Like that. That's like the perfect. Uh, what do you call it? That would be like the perfect picture for him if he was running for office. 
Yeah, that's again one of the clever uh, uses of the panel work. That the the edges of the panel aren't just crisp thin lines. It's it's like a a picture frame. I thought that was clever of them. <laughs> yeah, not even that. The picture frame changes as well. It starts with a green truth, then justice is kind of yellow, and then the American way is orange. Yeah, that's... Oh, yeah, I guess they did do it for all of his little bits there. That is fun. I didn't notice it for the other one. It is weird, though, because green, yeah, usually is associated is one of the colors associated with Luthor. Uh, the yellow, I don't know about that, because... Unless it's like a Batman shout-out, which it's not. But it's like, I thought it would be purple. Just because, like, if Superman's colors are red, yellow, and blue, the primary colors, uh, all of... I just realized this. All of Luthor's colors are uh, combinations of the three primary colors. Orange green and purple whatever like just the orange obviously being his hair color pardon me i should <laughs> i should mention that it mostly is usually green and purple but i did realize that oh yeah his hair is orange in this or you know red, he's a redhead but like yeah that makes sense yeah but as we see uh as we see clark flee from the daily planet with that beautiful blur image of colors man i i just gotta say that because i was skipping skipping to get to the next plot point but i'm just so caught by these images you can't like you just can't like you just want to look you 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 ignore all the uh, narration that uh, Luther is speaking. Not that it's not interesting. I, I it is interesting, but um, it is nice just to see him to say late or say, say excuse me just show like you know appreciation or just show him in poses and it's wonderful yeah. poses by the way. These are really good poses and absolutely um, yeah. Like I love the him just stopping the train when he's on the way to try to figure this out. You just just the things that would that would only occur to him. I might just fly over and be like, oh, there's a train going just as normal. But he has to peer in because he's like, hey, wait a minute. If everyone's falling down sick, who's pounding that uh, that train there? So I love that little detail of saving folks. Even though I was thinking like, oh, crap, is that uh, is that pilot going to be OK after he stopped the, the train the way he did? <laughs> yeah, as you look at page 118 and he the two page spread, beautiful. Um, yeah. Brad Bird, you hack. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> superheroes and trains are always a thing. All right. This is yes. the, here's the here's the uh, more powerful than the locomotive. Although in this case, this is more like an L train than it is like a locomotive. But it's the ter- train to the future instead. Uh, yeah, not as powerful, of course. Yeah, the Skytrain does not compare to an actual like diesel engine train. Like, trust me, I, I know. Um, but yeah, that <laughs> either he like calculated where he needed to like hold on to, so he didn't like shoot that. Um, uh, what, what is it? Conductor like out through through the glass. But like, yeah, that, that was close. Yeah, but then we cut over to Star Labs, and I guess this is a, a friend of Superman's, or at least somebody he knows who. Uh, can maybe give him some some insight on all this who's kind of uh isolated or quarantined from all the the viral threat yes conveniently and she basically tells him like oh you know the only you need to go to someone who has enough uh what is it equipment or or something either way she directs him to lex luther like maybe he'll be able to help so, uh, professor crosby i know it's not important but just her name is professor crosby yeah and i like that when we do get over to he flies over to the the big l and Lex is just standing there in his nice suit, just waiting, not even looking out the window. He goes over to the L. Yeah, and Lex, he's even though I can't hear him, I, I can just feel the, the smugness, like just, just seeping off the page with him. And he's like, oh, I've, I've quarantined the building. You know, you can't come in. You know, I've, I've, we're taking care of this best we can. And I like that uh, 
almost immediately there's an accusatory uh, quality coming from Superman directed towards him, even though he doesn't have any evidence. Yeah, he's like, I, I know you're uh, behind this, but I don't obviously have the evidence, so I can't like do anything about it. Um, also, of course, I'm going to even though these are just lies to rile up Superman where he's like, oh, how do we know that you weren't the cause of all this? It's like, yes, well, if he's been here for five years, why would it all of a sudden happen now? <laughs> yeah, that's when the, the alien reference gets thrown out. Uh, perhaps you're uh, from an alien nature. Yeah, I was questioning why he said scientifically and biologically, even though that's the same thing, unless he means like you were a creation of science, not yeah. like harnessed, like biologically, like, like biologically meaning like natural, scientifically meaning like you were created in the lab and then of alien nature. Yeah. Um, uh, random mutation versus gamma ray uh, uh, mutation. <laughs> I see. We're still throwing a shade over at Marvel. Got it. <laughs> I don't know about shade. I'm just <laughs> kidding. I'm just, it's not, yeah, no, I'm projecting here. Don't, don't take that's that. Jeff Loeb was not doing that. He wrote for Marvel for pick six. So no, he's not. Yeah. And, and just the, uh, the tone of this conversation really just starts to just itch at Superman's more. Um, I don't know what uh, side more, more angry side. Yeah. He's, he starts being like, Oh, what if I smash through that glass right now? How long is it going to take before a uh, Lex employee comes out with an antidote? So he's, yeah, he's getting out there. He's putting it out there big time. Yeah, vocalizing uh, his thoughts to him, basically. Um, whether or not he can hear you, whether or not he can hear him. Because Superman can hear Lex, but I don't know if Lex can hear Superman. Um, but I assume so. Yeah. He's just pretending that he can't. So he's like, I'm, I'm ignoring your threat right now. Exactly. I still have all the, the balls still on my side of the court. But, of course... Um, Clark upholds his morals and is like, you know, even though I could break through this glass, I'm not going to because I can't be like you. So I'm mm -hmm. asking you, can you help? Putting his pride aside. Yeah, and that's when Miss Vaughn comes back into the picture because... Uh, yes, conveniently, conveniently, she's been working on an antidote for this uh, sudden appearance of this virus. Yeah, but only she can, only she knows how to handle the chemicals, right? So she has to go with, with Superman to, to distribute it conveniently yeah it's quite conveniently i also like the little setup of him putting on this mask is uh opens the door and uh yeah we see him actually putting on uh a mask so yeah no he was <laughs> and superman was correct that uh he would have to wear a mask yeah and we see the two of them flying around superman holding toxin and she's spraying all this chemicals into the clouds which eventually starts a rainfall dropping the antidote on the uh onto the population yeah and i'm curious uh yeah well i guess i should say first uh, i love the image of all the electricity like the lightning coming down i think that just looks great really pops off the page yep the reds and the blues yeah then we see toxin for for some reason her heart uh fails her as they're as they're flying i guess the antidote uh maybe had some sort of enzyme in it that caused her to have heart failure but again i wonder uh how does this tie into those those images that were she's being forced to watch? I wasn't quite sure because she already seemed like she was a supermanaholic. She was already all on board for him, so I don't know if they need to like reprogram her in some way. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's one that I was thinking to myself. I don't remember if I had the uh, if I had the answer to that or not. But what I do remember, at least uh, before, before a little before then, uh, this is where we get a little more of, of Lex's backstory. 
uh, of him talking to us about how his father beat him repeatedly. Mm. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. So that's, so that's, that was, that was something about him and where, uh, kind of Lex's demeanor and his personality stemmed from, from abuse basically. Um, and he was basically showing abuse to Miss Vaughn in a way. Um, albeit not physically, well, other than like, I guess, keeping her <laughs> hostage. And so it is, it's physical in a different sense. He wasn't like physically beating her, but he was physically holding her hostage, if that makes sense, against her will, uh, and forcing her to become like a slave uh, yep. to her, to him, excuse me, and be, like I said, a pawn. Um, maybe the images were meant to uh, normalize and desensitize her of Superman, if that makes sense. Where like, he, she becomes so like used to Superman that, um, she's in a way cured of her obsession. If, if that makes sense. Well, she's because she, when he compliments her on like doing the good service, she seems like overwhelmed by the praise from him and so glad to be working with him. So it, I don't know. It's, she still seemed like over the moon to be able to do the things that Superman is doing and helping people. Like, I don't think she knew that she was going to die. Uh, okay. Okay. So, so hear me on this. So she has like two personalities. There's a personality that Lex is basically cre- created by, by, you know, brainwashing her. And then there's her original personality and maybe being so close to Superman and realizing this, she's like her heart's beating so much that she, you know, had a heart attack. Um, maybe, maybe that's it. I, I, again, that's, <laughs> that's a really like out there explanation. Well, they, they really don't give us enough information to really know. So, anything works because <laughs> certainly not. I, I don't know. I, I, again, I've not like looked at other people's reads on the, I mean, I know I said like, you know, geek solution one, but I don't, I don't remember what their, I think they also had a uh, problem about this, mm-hmm. uh, like where this comes from and like what he, what Luthor is trying to do to kind of like, you know, the whole point was like, you know, you, you help save the entire city with the help of this woman, but she was, she ended up dying in the process and you could not save her. Um, and that's another thing where I was like, well, wait, could Superman have just like detected in her heart? Like he would have either, like, you know, heard her heartbeat or like, uh, look into her body with his x-ray vision to see like, if there was any chicanery involved, like if Luthor had nanites in her or like some, you know, bomb placed inside of her or, or something like that. Um, obviously he didn't do that because I guess he was trustworthy and he, just assumed like there was no chicanery involved, but yeah, it could, you could just be like, Oh Clark, why didn't you, you were too naive. Like, why didn't you look at this <laughs> with your extra vision? I guess it's an invasion of privacy, but yeah, basically it's to, I, I guess like he was, Luthor was banking on the fact that he would be so like self-absorbed the fact that he could not save Miss Vaughn, uh, that he basically one upped him. Yeah, that was his revenge. He was like, "You're you're so powerful. These all there's all these things that you can do to to save people, but I'm going to give you something that you can't save. Someone that you wouldn't be able to predict the danger coming to them, and then just watch you kind of have to revel in your your weakness." So, because I guess he made he probably made Lex feel weak by getting him arrested and having to go through that shame. So he just wanted to give that same feeling back to Superman. 
even though the shame is pers- is not only per- not, not personal, but it's it's not known by anybody. Like there's no cameras anywhere here, at least not that not that we see. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, I'm a little con- I'm like you, I'm a little confused on that. Of like maybe I I don't know if when I read this again if it'll make more sense to me, but this is certainly the one thing in this book that is you know making me scratch my head. Yeah. But in some ways, it does work because it, it definitely causes kind of a a break in Superman's confidence. Maybe his first big loss. And once again, he has to return to, to Smallville to try to get some grounding again. I also love the fact that um, all the I love the rain as well. I think it's just wonderful. Oh, yeah. Uh, just like like you with like being in the ocean uh, and snow. I also just love the rain. So yeah. I, I think it's, I think it's uh, also it's poignant cause it's in the, it's in the fall or the autumn. So I think that works, but um, yeah, we close out. You're right with uh, Clark returning to Smallville again and looking at Shelby there. I was <laughs> like, is that Shelby like the dog or is that cause, cause we remember she's getting a little older or is this like a pup? I thought it was still Shelby. Okay. Cause it looked like a little like pup to me, but I guess it is still Shelby. She just got a more youthful look because she's like, what's this? Or maybe, I don't know. Shelby's, I guess, a gender neutral name. So (laughs) I'm pretty sure it's a she. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He shows up and yeah, he's, he's down and he, he says he thinks he needs to stay for a while. And that's how we enter uh, winter. By the way, I do love these little, uh, the little panels for the season or the little image of it. Yeah. I think all of them are pretty with the, the tree and, clark in various positions around it i think that's great yeah they tell a story uh which is which is wonderful and the image right after the winter one when we see superman kind of above a wintry smallville and it's in this tiny little i don't don't know how to describe how they do this but i I think that's another really beautiful image yeah and it looks like a like like behind him the clouds are are wings to him yes (laughs) yes definitely see that (laughs) Oh, we'll pick up more on the uh, the angel dynamics as we go along. But first, we have to see, once again, our little buddy that we've seen previously, Trevor, hanging out somewhere that he probably shouldn't be hanging out because it's nope. it's high up on a kind of edge where he could easily fall. Yeah, no railings. Yeah, he's playing with um, snowballs, practicing his baseball routine. Oh, yeah. Future Hall of Famer here, Woods. Yeah. Oh, and this this last uh, section, by the way, is written from the perspective of Lana, but we don't see yes. that right away. But so now we contrast. Um, so we we contrast like each season. So like spring and fall were were men, and now summer and winter are women. Hmm. Uh, which I don't know if in certain cultures that's a thing because I know certain cultures uh, place uh, different sexes with or gender excuse me with different with the different seasons also what we lacked in that last one uh at least i think we didn't have a scene with clark uh in a room uh like in it yeah in in the in the in spring he was in his bedroom in summer he was in his uh metropolis apartment and nothing in fall yeah i guess we didn't see too much clark except for right at the start of it yeah it was mostly lex centric yeah, and speaking of Lex, we see that uh, he, the the guardians of the city are on full patrol, and as Trevor's playing out there, the the, 
the Lextrum kind of rightfully tells him, like, hey, you know, stay inside. We're concerned for your safety. What he really should have said was, hey, stay off these ledges. You could easily fall and slip in the snow. We're concerned for your safety. Please don't put yourself in danger. <laughs> yeah, but let I me mean, look at that, like, Toronto. So look how menacing that is, like, in comparison to Superman. And the kid even looks scared. He's like, uh, yes, sir. He drops his little snowball. Even in the previous panel or in the previous page, you saw the cat actually like he was on the windowsill. Uh, the cat like jumped down because you, know, you saw the danger approaching. Yeah. Well, but I like uh, Lana's perspective in the narration here where she's kind of discussing the, the kind of her own dreams, what, what she thought she was going to be and where her life was going to go with Clark. And that was all kind of upended at that moment when he kind of decided to to change his life as well to tell her about his secret and to, to move to Metropolis to, to further his, uh, his dreams. Yeah. And I like that. It's, I guess, text. I don't think we need to just go back to the scene again. Uh, Cause one, yeah. you just skip to the, you could, if you had this physically, you could just go back and infer all this, which is fine. But yeah, it's basically, she was like that night when he came out to me about, you know, his powers. Um, she was like, <sighs> she had this whole like, you know, idea of what was happening there. She loves him. And, uh, she really assumed that he was going to marry her or ask her to marry him. I'm like at 17. Jeez. Like, I don't know about that. I mean, you can make, maybe like have a promise ring or something like that, but I think that's a little young at that, at that point, but I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it made me wonder, is she like really religious or something or what's going on there? Cause that's the only community. I, mean, I, I don't know either. That's the only community that you really see that kind of thing going on. <laughs> yeah, certainly. Uh, by the way, I like that in the two parade spread, uh, we see there's, there's before there was a lot of like, welcome to Metropolis home of Superman. Uh, and in the background, we see two helicopters putting in a sign in front of it of like LexCorp. Yeah. There for you always. Okay. That's a little weird. Uh, literary, not literary, that, that's weird sentence, but okay. Yeah. And, and Lex, of course, is quite happy to see that his plan worked out and Superman's gone. So, so at least someone's pleased, unlike uh, maybe Lana was back in the day. Exactly. Um, cut over to from the L to uh, the Daily Planet, and Lois is a bit peeved off of like, you know, what's what's going on here, Smallville? Like, how come you're you, you definitely uh, took personal time off at the wrong time? <laughs> yeah, right when Superman's gone. <laughs> Wonder what's going on there. Yeah, you see the cogs in her head start to turn. Yeah. Yeah, and I like this little moment of potential. Like she sits down, she picks up his little, a little name piece off his desk, his desk, and she's like, "Wait a minute! Like, how could he know that Superman was going to be going, and he wouldn't have to do work?" And I, I like that little bit there, even though it doesn't really go anywhere. I still like it. Well, it sort of does in a, in a way. Put a pin on that, but just like, but leaving it off is like Lois Lane. That's the stupidest idea in the world. Is Lana? Leading up to it, she was hoping that like all of what Clark was doing with her, uh, you know, flying with her, excuse me, or uh, showing her that he can fly. Um, she she ends that statement uh, as she says that Clark Kent is Superman. Yeah, like perfect, especially when he went when the behind the behind Lois is like it flies from the Daily Planet. I assume by Lois Lane. There you go. You can see that clearly in the yeah uh, in the fine print. Yeah, I love the way they sync that up. Yeah. Uh, but then we we cut to another image that just took my breath away when I saw it as we we cut to a page. What page is this? Uh, 143. 
it's an image yep. of of Clark and Lana. She's putting on her her shoes, and I just think that just looks so fantastic. Oh yeah, yeah, and I like to see them catching up again because we haven't seen her since that first issue. It's nice to see Clark kind of being grounded again, kind of coming back to how things were. He's even wearing his old high school uh, Letterman jacket. I think that's kind of fun. Yep. And of course he asks, like, do you want me to fly you over? It's like, no flying. Yeah. <laughs> no flying. Let's make this normal. Okay. She's not scared from it. It's just like, yeah, I think the point she wants to come up, make a, make is, you know, let's, let's be normal here. Let's, uh, let's be rooted to the ground. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, all this, all this imagery of the snowy side, uh, Kansas, I think is just great. And I like the, the more dour tone to Clark. He's been pretty consistent, except for a, a couple, maybe like one issue. He seemed pretty confident. Otherwise, he's usually pretty uh, down and off to himself a little bit. I mean, would you would you is this an appropriate time for the lonely man theme? Oh, I could see it. I could see it. <laughs> now, is is he stuck in his feels? Like, am I getting the world's tiniest violin out here? And like, you know, is he is he? all in angst like like what are we, like what are we, is this appropriate do you think this is like him just you know being self-absorbed and being depressed and he just you know snap out of it like stop feeling sorry for yourself like what do you think that's happening or do you think it's more than that oh no i mean this is this is superman you know he's he's got a lot a lot of different uh it's not just the typical oh you know that person doesn't like me and i've got such a crush on them oh, i'm gonna be you know broody for for three weeks this is he he does in some ways have the weight of the world on his shoulders. So so it's it's totally fair. And not to mention he just saw someone die in his arms. A person who uh was a hero of the city and no one really knew and then she just died. So Yeah, exactly. Well that's fair. Especially when he's just like um when he's like, Yeah, I'm trying to figure a bunch of stuff out. You mean like uh, Superman stuff. Clark, you can do anything. Can I? Yes. Yeah, I like that. That's weighing heavy on him. And again, we get another image of the uh, literal angels as they uh, go to make their snow angels, and his kind of looks like uh, yeah. <laughs> it almost looks like a, I a mean, dove, but well, yeah, it's weird because Lana's actually looks like the proper snow angel yeah. <laughs> in a way, because she like, you know, spread um, spread her legs. Um, she <laughs> uh, kicked Kicked her legs apart. I don't me. think it's suggestive to say that. <laughs> I, uh, fair enough, but like, it's not. But I guess it's my <laughs> dirty mind going there. But yeah, whereas he just like kept his legs, you know, together, which is not how you usually do things. But maybe, well, I don't. Know, I have no idea. Okay, wait, hang on a second. This is this does. I think Eric even brought this up. Eric of Geekvolution, excuse me. I think he brought this up. So on the panel above at one forty-five, page one forty-five for us. Um, him and Lana are opposite sides. Uh, you know, he's looking up, she's looking up, but their their heads are like, you know, oh yeah, um, away from I each other. Right. This. <laughs> uh, this is okay. Maybe this is not bad art, but this is like, all right, space and time have warped. What's going on here? Yes, absolutely, they have. Yeah, that definitely yeah. Is jacked up. <laughs> okay, so that's what Eric meant by that. Okay, no, that makes sense. Yeah, that's this. Uh, yeah, we need to redo on this one's t- sale. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, he's a hack. He's a hack. All this art, just throw it away now. Didn't get that one bit right. <laughs> like, the point still comes across, though. It's nice. But yeah, there's a... Anyway, uh, moving on. Yeah, moving on. Yeah, and we get another just stunning image of them on that one kind of strip. And there's 
there's old Pete waiting for them. A little meetup. Yeah. What'd you guys do? Walk the whole way? It's like, well, uh, yeah, Pete, we did. <laughs> and I liked in Lana's uh, narration how she was talking about her kind of relationship with Pete. They're really close friends, but when she decided to leave and kind of give up her Smallville life, she just kind of left him behind. I thought that was kind of a, a relatable but kind of sad uh, state of the, their friendship. And what I like about this also is that there's they don't insert a whole like romantic like a, a love triangle between the three of them. Yeah. Um, at least not here, which is wonderful. And another thing is we Lana doesn't exactly say what she did during her time when she left Smallville, and I really like how they left that like kind of ambitious, ambiguous, excuse me, and and a mystery. Yeah. Yeah, no, that is, I, I like that as well. Yeah. Yeah, so the, the three of them, they all sit down, they have kind of a chat, and I like that, uh, I like the feeling of time having moved. Like, we see that Lana's like, oh, did you ever get your million dollars? And, and it seems like Pete's had a little bit of a change over the years. And we see that over at the card game in the general store, one of the, the players is now passed on. So what I like about the scene is, one, the, the general store has changed. Uh, I think I noticed it. Uh, and the first one, it's almost like modernized, uh, at least at least the little chop and shop itself. Um, it looks like it's changed. Yeah, uh, it's been a little more modernized. It looks a little more 50s ish, whereas like the first one or in, in spring and in uh, summer when he visited, uh, it looked a little more like it was still like 30s or turn of the century um, diner. But this uh, kind of been modernized and because it's got a sleek little like marble top almost. Um but what what sets Lana ask about if he ever got his million dollars, Pete, if he got his million dollar or billion dollars, whatever it was, uh, is that he doesn't uh, he doesn't do his little uh, lucky lucky charm there of like you know uh, putting his hand on the bust of the elephant, mm. mm-hmm. which is still there, which is a nice little touch. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I missed that bit. Yeah, but is it even still there, the elephant? Did you say? Yep, no, it's there. If you look, oh, yes. uh, it's in panels one, two, and three uh, of. Of page, I guess, 148 or whatever it would be called. The one on the left side yeah. for, for us. Yeah, now I see it. I, I missed it that first time. That's totally fine. I, I, I made made sure to look at that. Um, and yeah, it looks like in the panel with the, the three card players, um, it looks like one of them is Pastor uh, Lung- Lundquist, but it's not. Uh, it's just a different guy who looks like a combination between the Pastor and Lex, which is odd. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I can see that. I love Pete's little like you know, uh, jab. I, mean, I, I don't know if it's jab, but it's just a little joke there of like when the card players are asking like, "Hey, Clark, you want to join us?" It's like, uh, "Go ahead, Clark. We'll uh, come back for you in twenty or thirty years." Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just a little bit miffed by that. Like Pete, it's like uh, some other time, Bird. It's like, nah, it's fine. I think yeah, it's just jokes. It's okay. Yeah, but there's a bitter edge to it. Um, Pete's, he's also going through a rough time, like Clark, and feeling maybe some directionlessness. And he's kind of pissed at both of them for like, hey, you guys left. You moved on from this this kind of dead end Smallville. And now you're back here. You've given up your uh, your opportunities or at least not taken proper advantage of them. And I, I like that that kind of affects Clark, too. Like it makes him feel bad that maybe Pete's right about that. Yeah, I, I, I certainly see that. But it's also Pete being a little bit like angry at himself. Yeah, I think because, you know, he's. He he did not. He's one of those guys. He's kind of I he I very much see myself in, in Pete in this way, uh, and just that yeah. You don't really 
see um or what what, what is it like he never like either because of lack of self-confidence or opportunities that he just couldn't you know come across he just he couldn't get out of smallville yeah couldn't achieve his dreams that he, that he wanted so desperately i mean he's he set such like a high mark that he could never reach it mm. um so it's just like i can't be a billionaire hey maybe one day you never know hm. oh you never know indeed um, we cut away from that. We uh, go to the Kent barn again, or the Kent uh, estate, excuse me. Homestead, excuse me, Homestead, pardon me. And in the narration, we get a little bit of the insight of uh, Lana dealt with a similar childhood to Clark, you know, growing up without her real parents, or at least her uh, her birth parents. And I like that they say that uh, the Kents, like they filled that role for Clark, uh, they always made themselves available and were kind of like, hey, we can, we can kind of be that that for you as well if you need it and and i like that it, it paints a a warm picture of the the kent family and lana is kind of a a second part of it and in the uh, the smallville uh, program they definitely put that kind of thing in there too lana was definitely very welcome around the kent household <laughs> so so i like that represented here although for yeah for different reasons of course well uh, a mix mix because yeah they weren't always dating well I, I i don't mean that i was talking about like with lana's parents and how you know she didn't know her or like uh bio parents well i mean in that show it was because they died by meteorite oh i see what you're saying yeah yeah that's fair that's fair um i like the little bit uh of like well oh, yeah a little little <laughs> this is this is this is too cute i love this uh where martha's just like hasn't lana turned into a fine young late woman jonathan he goes i only have eyes for you my dear i love that oh yeah. that's so good oh that's so quaint that's not schmaltz you know <laughs> ah it's so great yeah no i really liked that as well that gave me a big smile as they're yeah as they're preparing for dinner um i get a knock at the door and it's chief parker uh which is great um yeah, great image. That's that's so sad. Um, that's yeah, I, I love that image of. Yeah, I can't tell if he's either frozen solid uh, or like it's dripping rain because it was in the previous panel. It was like it was a snowstorm. I I think it looked like it. Yeah, it, was, it turned into a rainstorm. There you go. But I, it's just a funny image of him just being like frozen. He's a popsicle, literally. Yeah, and uh, I love that. The the two kind of big changes for Clark come from just. Um, natural disasters that first one it, it's it was that that twister kind of convinced him that he needs to go out to help people and, and this time it's this flood which kind of uh rebuilds that that bit for him after having been kind of hurt by lex's uh machinations i just had this uh each issue each chapter has um deals with that with with disaster in a way so in spring and winter it's natural disasters one's a twister one's a flood but in in summer and fall, it's almost engineered disasters, sort of. Summer has the fire in the Chemco lab. It was not L- Luthor who, uh, even though there was mention that, uh, aside by Lois, there was a mention that Chemco was a new company that Luthor was uh, hoping to bring up or buy up. Excuse me. I don't know if there is that they're saying that self sabotage. I'm not. I'm not going to go there. I don't think it is. But. You know, that, there's a there's a uh, disaster there. Basically, like it's a fire, um, and he deals with it like you know by uh, you know spinning and and creating like a fire tornado and and 
pushing and moving it away from the the building, sucking it all away. Uh, and then like fall, it's like you said, Lex's machinations of this engineered plot where it's an airborne gas that um, spreads through everybody and or is basically paralyzing the this, this city and only like, you know, toxin is the one to release the antidote. So and that one was engineered so that Clark would fail. But. This one is like you said, it, because it's natural, like it's a like a natural disaster. Uh, this one, it, he'll uh, he'll succeed at more, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just think it's a it's a nice little little mirror that those two moments in his hometown, protecting people close to him, were the kind of big changes for him, or at least uh, at least helped him made up his mind about what his purpose is. I should say. And then in the again in one of the other panels we have uh, at least on one fifty four uh, is Lana just drops a quick line about like you know nothing like having a <laughs> son who can change the course of the mighty rivers and then both you know uh, Martha and John are just completely stunned like what and it's a, she uh, she knows she knows I know <laughs> yeah I like that and I like that again we get that mirror of uh, Clark in bed. Except this time the, the bedroom's all cleaned up. It looks more like a guest room. And I and Shelby's there in the bed with him. I think that's just really cute. It's wonderful. Yeah. Uh and yeah, he's just again, he's just lamenting and he's we, we yeah, we have a scene of of uh, two different scenes. We have a scene of of him talking with his dad, and we have Lana talking with uh Martha uh, about again mostly about Clark. Yeah, and I really I really like both scenes. I think the the art is great in both. And I like the different ways that the the two relate to each other. Uh, the two like older figures speaking to the younger ones. I like the way that they relate to each other, I should say. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Clark lamenting just like, you know, how, how do you do it? Like, I, I you, you know, I began to think that I could do anything uh, and I can't. And, you know, his, his dad, John, just gives him his advice of like, you know, it didn't take me. I didn't become a farmer overnight. Like it took me years, basically. Um but you know, over time, I'd like to think that I became a pretty darn good farmer. Whoa, watch your language <laughs> there, sir. Um, over time, son. Yeah. And either that sends him to sleep, not because he's like, oh, this is boring. <laughs> like, no, no, no. I think that like kind of gives him that, <laughs> that 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 leaves a little nice little touch for him and uh, some good advice. And... Yeah. Brings some some needed peace to his to his mind. Oh, certainly. It's it's exactly what he needed. Yeah, I, I like with Martha. She kind of uh, she's glad to see that Clark chose someone to tell a secret to and glad that it was Lana. And I like that in, in her way, she kind of grounds Lana back to, to always remember that it's Clark first, not Superman. Like it's still that person that we know, not this kind of myth. Oh yeah. And I liked uh, in the narration earlier, Lana mentioned when she left Smallville, Smallville behind and the, the kind of rumors of Superman started to spread around and people were talking about him. Like how that kind of made her feel weird. I like that they brought that up too. Agreed. I, I do like that she's uh, a secret keeper. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, I think it works out really well there for her. And But it certainly does kind of eat away at her, which I, I also like. Yeah. Oh, and I love this image. This is one of my favorites in the book, too. It's on page uh, 159 for me, at least. Another two-page spread of, we see those three guys from the, uh, who are always playing the card game in the general store. They're on a little boat, and Superman flies ahead, or flies above them. And uh, one of the guys is like, well, I never thought I'd live to see this day. I just think that's just great. 
Tom Landers with his mouth open and not a peak coming out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're all so stunned. Yeah. But if we could just pre like you are right of uh, those three panels of the two parade spread, but if we could just quickly go back to the previous page about basically like sure. Kanalana. Now I don't know if she's breaking down to Clark, but certainly like talking to him about about life. Oh, maybe I skipped that page. Uh, that's the page one fifty nine or one fifty eight. Excuse me. Oh, with uh, with Martha and Lana. Uh, no, no, no. This is with uh, Clark and Lana. Oh, weird. I'm trying to find it, but I can't find it. <laughs> really? Okay, so it's yeah, it's 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 after uh, Martha and Lana talk, and then it's like before the really. It's not there for you. Uh, no, after it's with it's. It's with Superman, or it's with Clark, uh, loading up, I guess, supplies or boxes in the in the truck, uh, and then Lana comes out of the truck and she has this like this is this is a scene I want to see in a movie. Like this is like, especially with the way oh man, the rain coming down on her with her red hair. It's so cinematic, and I so love it. Yeah, that's weird. I cannot believe that that's not there for you. What's weird is I, I'm pretty sure I did see it last time, but for some reason it's just yeah not showing up here for me. But but take it away, go ahead and. Yeah, fair enough. But so she basically like, it's not like she's not going to see him again, but she really wants to come clean with like you know all these feelings that just, that is with her, uh, that's been with her about like eating away at her, you know, kind of how her whole life she thought she was going to be this you know woman or she was going to be this wife to Clark. Um, let's see what does it say. Just shut up and listen. You may be able to do things nobody else can do, but that doesn't make you any less hard to be who you want to be. And in case you're wondering, the boy I grew up with who was so noble and caring, he's still inside that costume today. Go make things safe, Superman. And gives him a kiss on the cheek. Or not even, I don't know if it's a cheek. I think they like, yeah. like kiss on the lips. And I'm like, I think this, <laughs> Jeff Loeb, I mean, he's certainly making Captain Logan uh believe that this is uh this is a you know the, he's he's uh on the ship with uh lois and lana or sorry lois <laughs> and lana well that's another ship but uh no clark and, and lana <laughs> yeah i do remember that being a good scene i'm i'm choked i can't find it here now I just keep skipping that that number but <laughs> and then there's another one page two page spread but this one is just of superman we just see the cape and then we see like all right lana i'll make things safe Oh. And we just see like all of Kansas or at least all Smallville and it's like getting flooded and whatnot. And we can see a dam uh, in the top left-hand corner and we know exactly what he's about to do. Yeah. It starts Golly. collecting all the, the twigs and the branches, you know, these tiny little things and yeah. Twigs and branches, more like <laughs> trees and boulders and a silo. A couple of stones. Yeah. Some stones off the ground. Yeah. He's picking them up and Yeah. <laughs> So we then cut over to uh, the Kents and Lana and they're going past the little like Sleepy Hollow bridge that um, Clark and Lana crossed over earlier when they were making them Snow Angels. Mm. Um, and Martha states, you know, Jonathan, that's that river's awfully high and I can see that deer. We'll just take it nice and slow. And of course, what do you expect happens? Yeah, they get uh, they get ponyoed. The water comes up over and takes overtakes them washed up yeah, the bridge starts going crazy shaking around and it seems like jonathan's lost he spills out of the side of the the car there and the old blur shows up yet again not just not 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 just jonathan but also shelby oh and shelby yes yeah yep 
but the blur arrives and and pulls it to safety. I, I think there's a funny image here too, where he's lifting up the car and it almost looks like he has no legs. Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, it's a little weird there, but I, I accept it. Yeah, he brings them to safety and then dives back into the water to go and look for the others. So far, yeah, we didn't we didn't see him save any other people, but in this moment, it's just you know his his father and his his dog. Yeah, uh, and he sees hanging by a branch or hanging onto a log. We see his father grabs him, um, and it almost looks like he's gonna you know choke to death, but nope. Just hacks up a bunch of water and is like, "You can put me down now, son." Uh, and then over there, he hears some barking because he asks where Shelby, and there she is on like a little rock and goes grabs her and she kisses him and it's like there we go where's the dog and another big two-page uh image here we get the priest giving a little bit of a not not quite a sermon but like a little motivational uh uh talk to the this this crowd of people who have come to gather at the church yeah calm in the crown basically with uh with with wise words yeah yeah i guess maybe like a brief speech it's kind of a vigil almost for, for what happened. Yeah, vigil. There you go. Yeah, they have their little candles there. and Yeah, do you want to talk about much of what he said there? or Let's see. So, yeah, basically he's, he's, he's saying, you know, we've had, we've had our property damaged and whatnot. Um, we're, we're lucky that Superman was in the area. Times are difficult through hardships. We often find reward. Times of crisis. Uh, man or woman defend how huh. the, she acts. Tree may have its leaves turned to brown and then uh go bear there will come a spring where that very same tree will burst full of bloom only stronger for the winter the test of the winter we can be grateful for the seasons no matter how cruel or harm harsh they may seem for it is only through their passage that we can truly appreciate the future yeah so kind of the the wrapping it up of the the seasons kind of uh framework of this story yeah, experiencing the different measures of times the different kind of seasons of uh events in our life so yeah i like that little moment to sum it up i love the skies clearing as well in the background i know you can't see that but i like how calm everything is right now yeah yeah it's just it's just wonderful um and yeah low bringing and like you know tying in the whole theme of the seasons like does a good job of, of bringing that in there yeah absolutely and i like uh on the next page as we we kind of get a little bit goodbye as Martha and, and Jonathan are looking as Superman flies off, I like that he's just like a tiny speck in the corner of the, the frame. Like it's barely even focused on that he's there flying away. <laughs> this is um this is a reflection and a contrast and callback to in the beginning of the book where mm. um we first see him go out to get his dad for dinner. Oh yes. Um, but this time it's it's him leaving. And not permanently, of course. Yeah. He's gonna come back. Like that's the nice thing is Obviously, it was a little more extended here this time, but he definitely is going to come back. But it is him leaving, and um, yeah, we see Lana out there with Shelby, and she gives a good old "Take care, Clark." Yeah, and I like how when he when he gets back to Metropolis, he immediately writes a story about him saving those people with the flood. <laughs> I think it's kind of funny that Clark does that, and then Lois is so choked. She's always like, "How do you get these stories?" And there you go. That's that's exactly where it came back to of like he has the perfect excuse, yeah. especially when Perry says, like, I wish all my reporters would take some time off and come back with a front page story. <laughs> yeah, she's pissed. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Lois, just lucky, I guess. Yeah, I love that. I love that. <laughs> that's just great. 
so it's weird that he comes back to oh i guess he's never mind. okay so i was wrong so he comes back to metropolis and i love the i love the little like rainbow he almost makes uh the arc <laughs> he makes with yeah. his uh with his streak um and you see all those uh, and i was like oh it's not snowing here it's like oh yeah there is snow because then like in page 175 i was like oh there's snow there it wasn't in page 174 oh wait no or in 173 or one sorry it's like oh never mind yeah but as we as we kind of come down to the last little section of this book we see that that old kid again trev trevor or trev i mean this kid he's just he, he he really needs to keep this this cat indoors this cat is getting real reckless you can actually see the footprints from where he, you know, their little yep. like, apartment is and like him chasing the cat up there. He parkoured his way all the way up there, which is nice. I love that. The footprints. <laughs> and of course the Lex, uh, Lex drone has probably been patrolling his area a lot lately because this kid's so reckless and he, he catches him just as he's about to fall. He's like citizen, but it's too late. And the kid fall, falls to his, to his death, except Clark arrives and, and grabs him before he can die. So, so there you go. Both him and the cat. And the cat. Until next week when the kid does this again and, and actually falls to his death. They they left that part out. Um, And I love the fact that he's like, this is a little weird, but he's like, uh, to the uh, drone, he's like, tell Luther I'm back. And then just cuts to Luther someday. <laughs> yeah. Kind of, maybe that's a little like weird that it's a quick, ra- I mean, it's not like a quick ra- wrap up, but like. You almost didn't even need that narration of just like you could have just say seen him like look peeved off. Yeah, yeah. No, that's fair because it seems like he's like Doctor Clark is like I'll get you next time, gadget yeah. next time. <laughs> yeah, though that's definitely fair. But I did like uh, that Trevor, that Superman recognized him. He's like, "Haven't we met before?" And that the kid's kind of surprised that that Superman would remember him. I thought that was cute. Good to meet you, Trev. Folks call me Superman. Yeah, oh no, that that last image. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's that's another one I would absolutely want. But as for me, Lana, I'll be staying in Smallville with some news with, with, with some new hopes and dreams and prayers. And maybe I'll give Pete Ross a call. Now, I don't know if that's implying anything. I just assume like they're rekindling their relationship. I don't remember if in like comics proper or certain continuities they're married or not but like oh no she's talking about a booty call i know what that <laughs> why would you say that why the hey would you say that i know i'm like lewd and, you know obscene but like why would you say that is that obscene i i mean i guess maybe it is i don't know <laughs> uh, but it ends with this text as well before the legend before the icon before the man of tomorrow there's clark kent a young man coming uh, to terms with the awesome power that fate had granted him, experience the majesty, the majestic tale of his transformation from country boy to the world's greatest superhero. The end. Oh wow! And I just uh, I turned my Microsoft Edge or my Microsoft uh, Surface Pro onto its side, so it's like uh, in desktop position. And because it could never load that one, that two pages of uh, when Clark's loading the thing and then kisses Lana. When it finally switched to desktop, it loaded that page, and so it jumped right to that. Nice. Even though it was at the very end, it just jumped back to the one it couldn't do before. Oh, man, that's <laughs> a shame, but it's right there. Oh, but yeah, so we've we've arrived at the end. Yeah, the the beginning of spring is, is right around the corner. And what did we think of this uh, this wonderful uh, trip to trip to the seasons? 
I enjoyed it so much, sir. I, I am definitely feeling the feeling this and give this a high recommendation. There there is a bit of uh there, there there's a bit of like questioning of certain parts to it. Uh very, very light stuff. This is definitely a solid A. Um Oh yes. There's just there was some there's some weird stuff there, but I, I absolutely enjoyed this book. Yeah, I, I love the framework of the seasons. I think that can le- leads to some really beautiful art. And I like the way that the, the arc works of Clark's various kind of um, losing faith in himself and kind of regaining it and losing it again. That feels very uh, relatable in my life. <laughs> I agree. And I'm also very affected by the seasons. So, you know, winter is always a depressive kind of month. And it yeah, seems like Superman can relate. <laughs> and we're two days away from winter. Uh, cur- currently, I mean. Yeah, you wouldn't guess it if you looked outside. You would have thought we're in it deep. <laughs> hey. We're still in fall. We're not in winter yet. Okay. Yeah, because of stupid arbitrary uh, dates that they throw on. All right. It's not arbitrary. This actually has like some meaning towards it where like, you know, the earth being like furthest away from the sun, that's when it's winter. So that that, that makes perfect sense to me. Arbitrary in the sense that, uh, well, this is this is needless. Let's yeah, let's finish this. <laughs> it's, it's quite <laughs> needless. Um, I love the uh, I love how his supporting cast uh, is narrating to themselves and showing character of their own. I think it's wonderful. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think we just pretty much just said everything and yeah, uh, how natural disasters, he, he handles certain natural disasters. Uh, and this is another interesting thing I wanted to bring up. I forgot about this. So you know how you certainly know this, you know how there's, Always those those W Network uh, Hallmark Christmas movies about you know a woman coming in from the city and going back to her small town. I think, and there's like a hundred of them, or there's a, a thousand of them. Yeah, and they're all like the same, right? They're just the same plot over and over again, which is basically just like a multiverse idea. I think where it's the same, it's the same woman living the same story over and over and over and over again oh, no. changes, like, like changes faces every now and then but it's still like the same person throughout anyway i think i honestly could make it like an argument of seeing this be done from lana's perspective oh that's interesting i mean i guess we kind of got it but i we got it but i'm saying like in television form like i mean literally in hallmark form oh, movie format mm-hmm. like i think you could honestly make a case for that without ever having to show like you could show clark but you'd never have to show superman like i honestly think like lana touring the world and then coming back to smallville to her roots like that literally is this book like this is the like <laughs> the, the winter issue is literally that i you can do that in television and i think it could work i i mean it <laughs> Like DC Warner Brothers do this. I actually would direct this if I could. I know, I know I can't, but like, that'd be awesome. Yeah. And I wanted to say, uh, it's kind of curious that this hasn't been uh, adapted yet. I feel like this would really work if they, if they knew how to do it right. As a little, uh, 70 minute movie. It has to be Tim Saley's art and you can't have any, you know, they'd probably like, you know, make it a little too, I don't know. It just it wouldn't work. Like I know for a fact. Like with all those direct-to-video movies, like this is this is art. Like this is a Miyazaki film almost. Yeah, I guess you're right. They 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 probably would screw it up. <laughs> like I don't want to sound like <laughs> yeah. again. It's like we've never we've never seen Kingdom Come adapted, and I don't know if I ever want to see Kingdom Come yeah. uh, adapted. Like look at what they did with the New Frontier. Now to be fair, again, that's 500 pages for Pit Six. This is only 177 pages. 
at least on our versions that we have. Yeah. So there is a big difference, but like man alive, like I pardon me, but yeah, but... this certainly would lend itself well to like a short film or like you're right, a 70 minute film, but it has to be done from an artistic standpoint, not because, Oh, we're adapting this for the fans. Don't ever say that. I, is this worth adapting? Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. It would be cool if you could do it in uh, Tim Sale's uh, art style uh, and kept, again, like the tone and uh, you don't have to expand anything. This can almost be like an adaptation straight to adaptation. Well, yeah, straight to uh, pay the straight off the pages. Maybe. I mean, uh, we'll get to year one on that front with Batman, but that's for another day. Oh, but yes, follow us along as we continue our Superman retrospective. Next up is uh, uh, All-Star Superman. And uh, just before we go, did did you want to read the book or just jump right into the movie? What were, what were your thoughts on that? It's a 12 issue. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. Jeez, um, we haven't done this in a while. I don't remember what we did for our Justice League uh, commentaries with like the book. If we did the book first and the commentary. Uh, at least with what I remember in, I, I think we'll do the book first because, uh, with new frontier, we, we prefaced that with reading the book first. And then we did uh, yeah. the movie after, not, not immediately afterwards, but we did it later on. Um, because once again, that's an adaptation and it's 70 minutes to 12 issues. So I think we, we need to look at the book first. Sure. Yeah. We definitely won't do that one. Uh, so, uh, in depth in terms of panel by panel, cause we'll be here for like five hours. 12 issues but hey we got through 500 pages in three hours so it's fine yeah that's what's so crazy this one as long as it did but 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 thanks everyone for listening and hope you uh follow along with us as we continue our our superman journey and i'm very much looking forward to seeing what comes next oh but uh, do you have any final words for us as we as we close out here ladies gentlemen those in between and unaffiliated what is your favorite season till next time peace peace